Hi guys, this is Mike Sass from Gen Con 2016. I'm an artist for Hearthstone, Bioware, and Magic, and you're listening to Seven Land Hand. It's Seven Land Hand! <laughs> Brought to you by Good Games. New year, new game, new Angeles. Just when you thought you had all the Angeles you needed, up pops Fantasy Flight with another one. There's more corporate corruption than Martin Shkreli selling pills at a Wu-Tang Clan concert. And instead of you being under a bridge with Anthony Kiedis, you'll be over the moon on the space elevator. It's the city I live in, the city of angels. And this is Seven Land Hand. New Angeles! is an area control buffing game from Fantasy Flight Games. It was released in 2016 and was designed by mathematical madman James Niffen. It's a game for four to six players and takes about two to four hours. It's got minis in it, but much like the Italian job, they aren't essential to the plot. (laughs) The game's elevator pitch reads as follows, deep breath. New Angeles is a game of corporate greed and machinations in the android universe, the largest, richest, and most diverse city on Earth. New Angeles is home to the space elevator that rises along its bucky-weave tether and connects us to Luna and its invaluable helium-3 deposits. We all know how important they are. And here it is. It, and, oh, and it is here, in this shining beacon of human achievement and advancement, that powerful megacorps enjoy a uniquely fertile breeding ground for their projects and their rivalries. In New Angeles, you gain control of one of these megacorporations, then you use your wealth and your influence to create more wealth and more influence. Ooh. To do this, you cut deals and forge temporary alliances. You leverage your credits and assets to gain financial superiority over your corporate rivals. All the while, you need to keep an eye towards the masses, striking deals with the other corps as necessary in order to keep a lid on crime, disease, and unrest. If you want to maximize your profit, you need to keep New Angeles open for business. One disclaimer before we proceed, James Niffen is not actually a madman. However, he does have a Harry Potter lunchbox with a photo of himself posted over Harry, just for lols. But what does it all mean to gamers? With more Bel Air than a bean-eaten ball dance, it's Melange Mining's Matt McHale. And uh, that would be... To rhyme with orange. Yeah, orange, orange, orange. Yeah, that's what they did there. Melange, James Niffen said, what rhymes with orange? And his mate says, no, it doesn't. (laughs) <laughs> he's right he's not wrong yeah and then and then he came up with melange so that we could say melange rhymes with orange oh and the other voice on the line is jinteki jamie lawrence i'm still putting the u in security ah that was security no so without that it's the secretary Se- that's right yeah so he's either the secretary or he's the security <laughs> what's up first humans uh what fantastic activities have occurred since last we spoke what have you been up to, Jamie? Been discovering well, things in the world of geek. I've got a game. I've got yeah. a game. It's a really good game. I really love it. Like I played it six, seven times since I opened it up last week, and I want to tell you about it. New Angeles, right? Yeah, that's where we're here. <laughs> We've got a whole podcast lined up to do it. I want to tell you about it, and I particularly want to tell David about it because I think he's <laughs> going to love it. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, go that's, on. Is that the first mistake? <laughs> Usually, usually when I love something, it's like, you know, it becomes the bane of my existence. But go on, go on. Should we be talking to your family about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so the game is yes. called, are you ready? Sure. Cottage Garden. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come so, again? So this it's is... called Cottage Garden, and in Cottage Garden, you are planting flowers in your garden. A lettuce leaf. Yeah. 
the most beautiful garden you can and score points. You know, we already did Lotus uh, last month. <laughs> we did too. Um, some of us didn't inhale, though, you know. <laughs> it is a really, really fantastic game. You um, Basically, you've got these Tetris pieces yeah. of, um, of different flowers, and uh, you're laying them onto boards, trying to avoid covering up pots, which will score you points. And, uh, is that Potsy from that, Happy Days? Is he making an appearance? Is the Fonz in it? Oh, I'm getting interested now, Jamie. Don't talk it down. This is going to be good. <laughs> and apart from all that, yeah. you've got little bonus tiles that you can fill up spaces with on your boards that are sleeping cats. You oh. So you can put cats in your garden. <laughs> you have sleeping a... cats in your garden full of pots yeah. and flowers. I am not joking. This game is phenomenal. It's so much fun. It's like multiplayer Tetris. And such a massive response from this end of the pod as well. I've it's just like... popped it up. I've just pulled it up on Board Game Geek, and uh, it reminds me of Patchwork. Oh. It it's looks... by the same designer, who's also <laughs> the same <laughs> designer. Of... Oh, okay. So there's something in there. You know, I love these games. This well, reminds me... I'll put this game into the trains category. You know, there's long <laughs> lines of things that I could actually do in real life. If I want to do some embroidery, I'll just go and do it. If I want to do some gardening... I I could just go outside the house and just do it. If I wanted to protect the world from alien invasion, I'd play XCOM. Woof. <laughs> but so what I love about this game as well, it's by Uwe Rosenberg, Uwe. who is the designer of Bricola, which is a game about 15th century farming, where if you don't feed your family by farming, they die. <laughs> that guy is contributing a lot of fertilizer to the gaming world. I shouldn't say that, though. <laughs> we, might, we, might, uh, we might need to speak to Uwe one day. He, um, he loves his cottage industries then. I can just, cottage garden. Isn't that like a TV <laughs> show by... That's that Hugh Fernley Whittingstall thing where he like oils pigs and, and like nurtures <laughs> lettuce leaves one by one and then slays the pig and then has like a ham and lettuce sandwich. No? <laughs> no, I don't know that one. I think you're on your own in that one. But oh. I, I know... Um, it reminds me of uh, Gardening Australia... Um, Something that uh, that guy, the Tasmanian guy, um, Peter Cundall, would play. No? <laughs> yeah, P- Peter Cundall and her, and Hugh Fernley Wittenstall just hanging out in a <laughs> in a shed somewhere, playing hot cottage garden, and then waiting for Jamie to arrive. They couldn't. They couldn't. I would be there. I would be there in a heartbeat because they're playing <laughs> cottage garden. This game, I'm not kidding. It is amazing. Look it up. Play it. It's super fun. This is weak and geek, guys. Come on, what have we got? Can we can we, we up it? Too soon. Can we up it a little bit? Uh, okay, can I can I up it as as well? I played XCOM for the first time as well. Oh, good! Uh, really, for the and first that was time. Super fun, and I oh. understand why it's your go-to. Oh, that's our go-to game. Like yeah. right now, I'm just like just hearing the name. It's like hearing that you know an old girlfriend wants to go see a movie with you. You're like, <laughs> oh, I'd love to do that. That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, XCOM. Oh, she's she's still there on the shelf waiting for me. Yeah, there's nothing wrong it's with that at all. Fun. I really like. I really like that one of the players is just an accountant, basically. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone yells at him, but that's a, that's a good role. That it was pretty, it was pretty stressy. Give yeah. me money, give me money. No, yeah. I, got, I got to play the technology development guy, and so I was constantly picking the pocket of everyone who actually had to defend the Earth, with the promise that you know I was going to make their stuff better. But that is that is an important role. We always played it. I mean, oh, this is you know pro tips from way back with um, ego. Strong on that early, and then the military ones a little bit later, you know, like give them, give them a little bit more. Keep them going, but get as much of that tech through as you can so everyone's well-placed to 
fight off the game when it gets nasty with you. Yeah. There's nothing worse than promising you're going to do something for someone and then failing your roles. Yeah, that's terrible. I can't set up. That does suck, yep. A couple of good roles for the tech guy early on, and you're set. But, uh, yeah, it can get out of hand if... I mean, and that guy is kind of useless later on when the proverbial is hitting the fan mm. because you don't want to be yeah. pumping money into into the tech at that stage. You want to you actually be guns on the ground, knocking these yeah. aliens yep. flat on their backs. That's it. Yeah, good uh, fun game. And I, I could very much see how the app in that led to the development of Mansions of Madness and... Um, yeah. And... What the the Imperial Assault app that they're coming out with is going to be like? Because it, it isn't the disaster that everybody thinks. Like you know, so many people say, "Oh, you know, are you, are you do you think you know? Yeah, you're into board games, but do you think they're going to go out of fashion because of all the the electronic games and everything?" It's like not a chance because it's a there's something tangible to holding something in your hand, and yeah. now with the melding of them two the two together, it's just it's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. It's really good. That's oh, good. Um, I'm going to take it away from board games just a little bit into what we've been watching. Yep. Uh, on Netflix at the moment, I've been watching Dirk Gently, Holistic Detective. Oh, now, there's a book I like I've actually read. Yeah, it, and it's, it, I've watched the first three episodes so far, and I hadn't read, you know, I've read um, uh, Douglas Adams stuff before, of course, Hitchhiker's Guide and whatnot. Did you, did you read that book? No, I haven't read okay. it. So, and it's it's crazy. It makes no sense. It's got a lot of lunacy and and strange, bizarre characters. I don't know which way's up at the moment, but I love it. it as long as it makes sense as it comes together. Yeah, I hate it when shows yeah, do that sort of stuff just for the. Oh, good. I hate it when you know. Say Lost, for example, when they do loads of interesting <laughs> things and diverse things just to make you go, what's going on? But then they never tie those strings together. And in fact, they become more desperate. Uh, I'm having desperate. a hard time. We're going to go to Lost, David. I'm having <laughs> a hard time getting back to Lost, actually, because there's so much else on that I'm prioritizing That's ahead of it. That's actually good. Yeah. <laughs> XCOM was actually episode 34 of our uh, set of Seven Land Hands. Wow. So go go back to episode thirty four if you wish, and uh, hear what we thought about it back then. That was a glowing review, but um, yeah. yeah. So Dirk Gently, that's uh, I'm really enjoying it so far. Elijah Wood, it's a fun show. I like it a lot. Oh, yeah. Elijah Wood's in there. Yeah, he's uh, not playing a Hobbit, but he might as well be because he's really short. Yeah, uh, and it's just got a lot of interesting characters, and it somewhat reminded me of. Um, that Terry Pratchett, Neil Gaiman, um, Good, Good Omens. Good Omens, yeah. It reminds yeah, me somewhat I, of that. I have read the original books, and it's a bit different, but it definitely maintains the spirit of them. It's it's very much D- Douglas Adamsy. Yeah. Wow. Oh, excellent. Well, and that's, me, that's what I've been up to. Let me let me jump in here with it. I have been, uh, if you can marathon a Xbox game, I've been marathoning Titanfall 2. Yesterday, I got up, I played Titanfall 2, and I went to bed at about 3 o'clock in the morning. Wow. Because I'm on holiday, and that's what I'm doing with my holiday time. And uh, it messed me up a little bit. I noticed there's something different about you, actually. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you know, normally I'm used to seeing clean-shaven David yeah. around the place. This is not clean-shaven this David. Is, this is on leave, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens to me when you leave me alone. And, um, yeah, what was Holidays weird... Holidays are a good thing, aren't they? What was weird, I, I left the Xbox alone for five seconds, 
let's say more than five, say five minutes, I thought, you know what I need? And this is a complete geeky thing to think while you're playing games. I need Coca-Cola. So, oh, wow. And there's, and there's a shop in our estate. I live in a very remote kind of... The, the pod is like way out there in the middle of nowhere. And uh, way out there in the middle of nowhere, they built a like Nonna's uh, Cafe. And it's just around the corner. So I thought, I need a Coca-Cola. So I went out to get one. As I'm driving through the estate, about three driveways ahead of me, this girl comes flying out from the left on a scooter. I'm like, I'm like so wired from playing Titanfall 2. She was far enough ahead that I didn't have to slam the brakes or anything like that. But in my mind, it was more like, Target acquired. <laughs> it's like, you know, I was like, I was like ready. I was, I was drawing the car, you know, semi-automatic uh, machine rifle or whatever they call them, you know, oh, whatever yeah. it is. I was, I was ready to take her down. <laughs> she was in trouble. So we're lucky there's no weapons on your car, huh? No. Yeah, she would have been dead. If there was weapons on my car, bang, just gone. <laughs> And um, and this um, would be a very different podcast tonight, I think. Yeah, it'd be from the, <laughs> the local, local jail. Um, but yeah, I, post, I posted like a, about a month ago about Titanfall 2. A couple of people got on there as well, uh, responding about how there's this thing with these multiplayer online games, uh, you know, the, the multiplayer shooters, where they tally you up as to where yeah. you come. And the achievement of not coming last is, <laughs> is so <brilliant>. important. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm doing better now. I'm doing better. Like I've, I haven't won a game or won a game on my team yet, which I did Titanfall originally, but I'm not coming last. Uh, so very happy with myself. I, I remember playing Day of Defeat several years ago and, yeah, the, just the joy of not being the last person on the <laughs> roster. Not being that you know, guy that, that everyone's was, pointing at going, that's, that's why we lost. <laughs> that's all. We could have won quicker if it wasn't for that guy. Yeah, because yeah, everybody, everybody's got weird online games, you know, and online names like D3X04 or really boasty mm. ones like uh, God of Gaming, you know, stuff like that. Yep. And um, that, that one's really... The, the very unmemorable names... Mine's Dr. Dave Hellboy. It's like it sticks out because it's just three words, you know. Just got gunned down by Dr. Dave. Yeah, it's usually the other way. It's usually, (laughs) yeah, I'm killing that guy. I just gunned down Dr. Dave. I'm totally dominating that guy. (laughs) You're going to hell, boy. Yeah. And the favorite one is playing Titanfall 2. Oh, let me, I'll finish up. Last thing on Titanfall 2. If you get your achievement where you get to dress up in red, don't do it because that's what happens when you see an enemy. They have them outlined in red, so you get shot at. So you shoot your own guys. <laughs> right. So don't don't dress in the red outfits. And the knee slide, kids. You know, the knee slide <laughs> posy thing. What happens is as you die, you get to see what happens afterwards. And the, and the smart kids are doing like they'll gun you down. Then they'll run over to where you were and like knee slide through where you were. <laughs> just beca- And you'll see that on camera. And it's it's classless. So just stop well, it's it. It's a modern version of teabagging. It is. is. That, is that what it I'm is? Not, I'm never going to do it. I'm never going to do it. <laughs> it's just it's without class. Let's have some class. Let's get better. Let's get it better as people in 2017. <laughs> That's it. Over to you, Jamie. Okay. So while we're talking about class, I, I wrote an article for the Good Games website just recently talking about the best and worst stuff in gaming for 2016 based on what Good Games staff had told me. So I had this thread going in the Good Game staff group, just asking people suggestions. And as soon as I posted up what were the worst things in the gaming industry in 2016, Aaron Graham jumps on and says, the worst thing was No Man's Sky. I'm like, that's lovely, Aaron, but we're talking about board games here. Go, Aaron. I'll stand behind him. I said that on this pod, and we talked about this, I think, in the Beer and Pizza show, that No Man's Sky was going to stink. 
because uh, everyone was so excited about it, and it stunk. And if we go back further to a discussion we had you with Riley... You said this Riley, on the beer and pizza show. I said that... Uh, yeah, you was did. it that one? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I was saying, oh, I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be the game that will make me get a PS4. Yeah. Um, that's no longer the truth. But I bought a PS4. I have actually got a PS4 at Christmas because you said you were going to get one. Yeah, yeah. So you know. I'm, I'm there. I'm ready to rock. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> Santa stuck too many pieces of coal in my stocking. Screw, screw Santa. It, you just go out there and as an adult and buy one for yourself. Uh, Speaking um, of things that uh, everyone's really excited about, Matt, I hear that you saw Rogue One. Oh. Yes, I did. I did. I saw it uh, on the Monday week gone. And uh, how, how did you feel about it? What did you think? I I really enjoyed it. I uh, I've seen you know I've seen all the others. I, I've seen them all via. You've heard of them? Yeah, you've seen yeah, them. Yeah, um, very popular. I, yeah. the, I believe the most <laughs> popular one is uh, episode. Four, uh, a new the original, hope. yeah, yeah, the yeah. 1977. So, um, so I've seen them all. I, I've, I've only, you know, I don't go and sit down and watch them multiple times to try and break it down and analyze every little inch of and frame. The I'm not one of those three, the people. The first three, like Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, countless times. It's like I could not count the amount of times I've seen those. But the most recent one, like oh. the the prequels, I left them alone. I, wa- I yeah. watched them. Okay, maybe twice, times. three times, yeah. most. I'm, I'm the same. But uh, Force Awakens, I've watched, oh, I don't know. I wa- I saw the cinematic release for that and I've yeah. watched it twice since. Okay. So I've seen that twice Netflix. in total. I don't know if I own the, D- I must own the DVD, the, B- the Blu-ray yep. for it. I think that's it, in the cinema and once. Well, I've put Rogue One yeah. above Force Awakens. Definitely. Yep. And... Uh, I, th- I think it gave an appropriate amount of fan service to the originals, which was great. I liked seeing the all those references to yeah. uh, characters and what they did with the CG, except for Moff Tarkin. Uh, I, I just I couldn't get over that. I, I um, agree. I thought the animation was not there yet. I, I kept looking at it, going, "Am I watching Who, Who Framed Roger Rabbit?" Like, <laughs> it did, it did stick. <laughs> It did stick out, but my 11-year-old was just like, oh, is he not real? He's not there. He, he couldn't pick it. Yeah. He didn't know. Because he wouldn't have seen the original. He, wouldn't have seen, he hasn't seen Star Wars as many times as we have, so we know that that guy is dead. We should be using his proper name, yeah. shouldn't we? Um, Peter and, Cushing. Yes. Yeah, there you go. His name is Peter yeah. Cushing. He played Doctor Who in the movies in the 1960s. That's right. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Horror Guy, Hammerhouse so, Horror. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the... So, I mean, he was only in that one, in that one uh, movie, all right, A New Hope. So, I guess people are getting too bent up about it because he wasn't it, in it. There's this not movie much we can do about bit. it. He's he's dead. There's not much. You, you could replace him with a like an actor who has a likeness to him, but then they'd complain about the fact that it was somebody else and not him. They did pretty a great idea with the voice acting. So whoever they got to do that uh, did a really good job. But well, I you know what? they when, could have left him in darkness. When I heard Darth Vader's voice, I went, oh, someone's doing a bad Darth Vader oh, impression. Yeah. And then I waited for the credits, and it was... Um, it yeah, was James Earl Jones. Yeah. James Earl Jones anyway. He's just like a million years old now. Yeah, <laughs> he did sound different. And uh, I really felt if they, if they had have left Tarkin in that sort of little bit of edge of darkness, and I, from, when you were looking at him from behind and you just saw him turn his head, 
I had, you know, I didn't think CG at all. I thought, okay, he's really there. He's talking to uh, Ben Mendelsohn and great. I, I don't believe, think the whole movie lives or dies by, by no. that bit. I think it's fun. It's who cares. It was, yeah. I think I've described it as uh, the dirty dozen where eagles dare saving private Ryan. Well, that's exactly what it is. When you hear Lucas talk about episode four, he talks about uh, Flash Gordon and he talks about um, all of the World War II uh, yeah. air fighter pilot um, footage and in dog fighting and all that sort of stuff. He yeah. wanted to make it like that. I, I put my house on it that when the DVD Blu-ray specials come out, they will say something along the lines of, it was all about the dog fighting in episode four. And what we went for was more of a World War Two troops on the floor, Battle that of kind of fight. Because it was totally about that. Even though they had a sniff of those guys in the hangar. And I said this on the Beer and Pier pod- podcast. You know, the big woolly collars, yep. the righto chaps, let's go do it. Won't repeat the joke. <laughs> it's my favorite joke of all time. It's classic. Go back to the last episode if you want to hear it. Um, so, look, just, just to be the voice of dissent, <clears throat> I actually think Force Awakens was better. But I think, I think it was a better Star Wars movie. I, th- I felt like Rogue One was a very good movie, but had virtually no reason to be Star Wars. Well, but, I, I, I disagree. But yes, me too. <laughs> because I think it's quintessentially everything about it is Star Wars because it's a Star Wars story that we already knew that was cited in the original one where they were saying a lot of, uh, was it, Bothan spies? Yeah have died getting us this. I didn't get never get them, heard it, hear them get called that in this movie, but it was a movie. We knew some dudes went and got some plans, and they died, and we've got the plans, and now we can blow up the Death Star. So it was, there's, everything about it was Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, and uh, see, I, I didn't feel that way. I felt this was, a, this was the Dirty Dozen, this was the Suicide Squad, this was, you know, like... These people were never going to survive from the start. You never had that sense of hope Spoilers. all the other films do. <laughs> Spoiler alert, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, this was, I mean, this is the first out of all of them, I guess with the exception of the Clone Wars, where the Star yeah. Wars actually meant wars, and which was, exactly. I think that's a pivotal thing. And The Force Awakens is a different film. Now, I the thing about The Force Awakens for me is I have a big issue with the Finn's character and the way he talks, and it's just he doesn't seem like he belongs in the universe, Star Wars universe. He seems like he belongs in some sort of teen drama because he, he talks like he's young and he's hip, and that's not the way... Yeah. That's not Star Wars speak to me. Uh, and... and and I didn't buy into the whole story that he's been raised from birth or raised from a very young age as a soldier with discipline and rigidity and James to- Brown and his Walkman so he can get that soul <laughs> funk thing happening. Yeah, and to the fact and the fact that he can all of a sudden decide he's going to rebel against all that training, all that um, indoctrination, and he's going to completely lose that. You know, have a complete reversal. In my mind, he's what he's demonstrated is a split personality disorder, a complete disassociative break from what he was. I guess. Right, but but we're, we're talking about first order though. Star now, Wars right? on the so, couch. Yeah. What, 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 one of the things Disney. I liked about Rogue One. I mean, 
to counter, um, it's very easy. Everybody's looking for that. Everyone's looking to hate on Rogue One and any Star Wars movie because I think I must have said this before. In 1978, 1977, when, you know, you walk into a cinema, I was like a six, seven-year-old then, and you walk in, you've only seen John Wayne on the the big screen or you've seen um, some war movies. So cowboys, cowboy and westerns, that sort of stuff. Mm. Cowboys and Indians, that sort of thing. All of a sudden, boom, you're in space. This is fantastic. It takes you away from everything that you've ever seen before. Since then, we've had like 40 years of movies. They've just covered everything that we can possibly think of yeah. and in every single genre. So um, there's no huge surprises anymore. Uh, so nothing's going to hit you as hard as that. Um, so I think... No, when people go, oh, it's just not as good as like the original Star Wars because it doesn't do for me what it used to, you know, what mm-hmm. what that did for me. It's like well, you're never going to get that. That's it. Good. Shut. Yeah. That's shut down. It, yeah, you can different. kiss that goodbye. You're too old Absolutely. now. Goodbye. You, <laughs> you probably only get to get that. You know, if you're if you're ten, you're going to walk in a movie now and see a, a movie, and you're going to go, oh, this is amazing. Yeah, there's been ten movies just like that. There's already yeah. been made, right? Well, We're think- not impressed by those. But Rogue One, I think. At least you, I didn't fall in love with any of the characters, which is yeah, you know, which is yep. criticism. You know, you can get that. Except for the Italian pilot dude, you know, when the hand grenade goes in there and he goes, oh, he, I was with him there. I was like, oh, <laughs> come on. Yeah, man. I, liked, I liked him. And I loved um, Chirrut as well. Yeah. Chirrut, he was Sonny, yeah. Um had, had he been able to be <laughs> another person. <laughs> so, yeah, so it was... Um, I, what I liked about it was it's a Star Wars story. It's just stuff happening in the background. Yeah. And what I liked about it is, yeah, big spoiler, uh, no one survives. And that's, and that's <laughs> cool because going forth from here, you know, they do the Boba Fett story, they do the Han Solo story. Any, you know that any characters that they drop in there, we're not putting them in the bank for characters that are going to, you know, reappear in something else. Oh. So we've made this character so we can build him up and do all this sort of stuff. He, they, they could die, they could not, and you and you gets a bit, you know, Game of Thronesy about it. You don't know if, who to emotionally yeah, yeah. invest with, and if they can get that thing where you emo- become emotionally invested in somebody over a movie, bingo. Yep. I suppose they're also competing with everyone's like mainlining um, TV shows now, and you yeah, get to yeah. love, love, sure. love, love characters over many, many hours. They've got two and a, two hours to nail it, you know. Yeah, I feel like they should have learned by now that prequels inherently suck. Yeah, and if, if you're gonna, if you want the best movie ever, you're not gonna go to a Star Wars movie and expect the best movie ever. This is gonna be just, hopefully, just well done sci-fi kind of. Just let's have an adventure. It's a, it's a yeah, roller coaster that. ride. That's... It's it's not gonna be Pulp Fiction or whatever you no. know, like back in the day. It's well, it's only thing. It, it's like the, I mean, just to draw a parallel to the Harry Potter movies, right? They're they're all quite different. And you can tell when the directors have changed. So this is the same sort of thing, different direction. These new directors have all, you know, and I include... Um, um, Kirshner and... Lucas. Well, not Lucas. He's not a director, he's uh, no, garbage. JJ. JJ, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Mr. Abrams. Yep. And they've grown up with all of these, George Lucas included, Steven Spielberg, they've grown up, you know, looking at those movies that they've done in the past and, you know, building careers based on elements of of what's come before. You know, Coppola. Um, So I think they're differently. There's so many influences in in these modern directors' um, 
you know, repertoire that 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 they're going to all appear modern. Nothing's going to appear like the old style movies again. Like you said, that's gone. It's dusted. Uh, we're into a new era now, and I don't. It, it is hate for people of our age. Yeah, yeah, because we've got that nostalgia factor. You yeah, know, yeah. It's interesting you make the Harry Potter comparison, though, because yeah. Fantastic Beasts is probably the best Harry Potter film. Well, that's what I'm hearing. And I haven't, I didn't actually watch any of the Harry Potters in the cinema, but I'm actually going I just to didn't go didn't watch and any see... of the Harry Potters. I think I've seen the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go okay. and see Fantastic Beasts mm. because uh, I think that's a different tone, a different sort of film. Um, it is. It's a very interesting story that just happens yeah. to be in the same universe. Yeah. I don't hate any of the Star Wars films that have come out. Even the prequels, I've, I've got no problem with them. Little things. Okay, niggly things. That's fine. Uh, Attack, of the Clones. Attack of the Clones does have the worst dialogue of any movie ever. <laughs> well, but otherwise, you're right. I'll give you my free pass because they're Star Wars. George, George <laughs> Lucas should have been like one of those classic sporting managers. He should have just quit while he was, you know, like at the top of his game and said he went back for three more and, and whatever. <laughs> um, okay, we're, we're going along on Weekend Geek. We're about half an hour in, but just to round it out with a, a thing that nods its head towards the game that we're looking at today. Blade Runner 2049 is coming out in 2017. Uh, I've got Officer K, who's been going to be played by Ryan Gosling, a new Blade Runner for the Los Angeles Police Department, unearths a long-buried secret that has the potential to plug what's left of society into chaos. His discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard. We know who that is, Harrison Ford. No, he wasn't killed off. Uh, (laughs) A former Blade, because Harrison Ford, Hans Solo, same guy. Uh, a former Blade Runner who's been missing for 30 years. Oh, my God, that sounded like a cliche. Guys, do we need this? He's not. No. Do we need it? No. God, no. <clears throat> um, I'm going to tell you why we don't need this. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. And it's because the end of Blade Runner, the original, it's very ambiguous as to whether Deckard is alive or dead, whether he's a replicant or a human. And that kind of fits with the rest of Blade Runner because the whole movie is political commentary and... Yeah. And uncertainty about life, and and it it all wrapped up really nicely. He's driven off and into a dream. Give me a Blade Runner movie where you've said, "Yeah, he's alive," and you're not going to have Roy Batty in it. I've got issues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's just another one of those unnecessary things. Where again, I've said it before. Right now, there are how many people around the world writing original fiction right at this second? Whenever you listen to this podcast, think how many people around the world are writing original fiction right now? Those Of those, there'll be a good handful of amazing stories that we've never read from original ideas of, from talented people. Yeah. Why are we going back and returning this old shit that we don't need to... Yeah, Blade Runner's fantastic, but good. Leave it alone. Ghostbusters, fantastic. Leave it alone. Go away. Walk away. Let's have some of those new stories. You know, let them live or die. Let, let's let's be impressed by some people being creative for once. Blade Runner was instead never... Of, instead of the paycheck at the yeah. end of it. Blade Runner was never a box office smash or anything like that. It didn't do all that well, but it achieved cult status, which is generally what happens with a lot of cult favourite films. They don't do exceptionally well at the box office. They then hit... Uh, hit an audience later on. So now on. some exec wants his paycheck for it. <laughs> well, like, it, it, it is just in cashing it. in there. I, I mean, I don't... They're going to have... It's it's not going to come anywhere close to the original. I mean, unless, of course, they're going for the visual aspect. 
But then what we talk, we just talked about with new, new uh, Rogue, you know, any new Star Wars yeah. movie, Rogue One, everyone's going to be disappointed because Blade Runner has grown into this huge thing. Any shortcomings that movie's got are going to be overlooked by, yeah, it's an old movie now, you know, it's like 982 yeah. or something like that, you know, it's like they didn't have it back then. It's just, it still stands up. It's good. It's good. It's good. You know, Philip K. Dick, you know, all that sort of <laughs> stuff, you know, brilliant. And then this is going to come out. They're going to go, oh, but it's not quite because, you know, this bigger than, you know, it's the Christmas present you haven't yeah. opened yet. You anticipate more than what you're actually going to get. You're not going to get it from this movie already. You notice they, they tried to make Rogue One with that nod back to that uh, 70s stylized, you know, with uh, costuming and all that sort of stuff where everything was... Yeah, I think you said it. Fuzzy collars, moustaches, straight yeah, hair. That's no, they no. tried to do that, but but even though because it's made now, they couldn't do it. You just could not do it. So it didn't look like it was a seventies film, which mm. I know I, I obviously wasn't trying to, but I didn't. I wasn't convinced of this of the same era as A New Hope. You know. Yeah. So which. Really, uh, yeah, in the so, timeline, follows exact straight up. Do you think the gra- I mean, the graininess of, you know, get around the lunch table in the in Alien, the movie, you yeah. know, when they're just all sitting there having a chat? Yeah. And it's all just like, there's chatter, 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 chatter. And it's weird, you know? It's it's not like movies are made like that anymore. No. You, you yeah, just wouldn't see. another it. Alien movie coming too. Uh, <laughs> and, and, the, and the graininess of it is just fantastic. There's something, there's something mm. weird. And, there's like, something honest about it. Win! Win! New, win! New Angeles for commenting on the Facebook page for this show. That's episode 83. Facebook says we're almost at 500. Nearly. At facebook.com forward slash sevenlandhand. We'll announce last month's winner of Lotus and Lanterns later in Newts and Twigs. That's two winners this month. My I, goodness. I love that role-playing game, Lotus and Lanterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got it. <laughs> it is a game we should bring out. It sounds <laughs> quite compelling somehow. Every month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special offer on the game we review. This month... Special it, offer! Did you hear that? I went, all, I went a bit radio, radio guy there. Well, this what? month, Good Games are offering our listeners a special <laughs> offer on the game we review. No, now this, you've lost it. What? That's you've lost it. I'm nailing it now. No, you've lost it now. Nah. <laughs> this month, the 1st of 2017, that's a January as we like to call it, <laughs> is your chance to grab a discount on New Angeles. It's that big white box, and we know all how excited Matt gets about white boxes. I love white boxes. Get 10% off the whole city in a box. While stocks last, all you have to do is jack into your local Good Games pre-sec operator, make a counter-offer worthy of impressing Yorg crime, or forget about all that, and just state this month's password... Paper Crane. Paper Crane. For the next four weeks, guys... Paper Crane. Paper Crane. That's like the little paper crane that, that that dude in Blade Runner makes. Yeah. Because he's Don't got... Don't tell them. It's supposed to be a reference <laughs> for being clever. He's got little fingers and, like, pointy nails so he can... Corner. Stop it. Anyway, you're spoiling it. That's while stocks last. <laughs> okay, here's the rest of the show right after the sum. <laughs> Games Review. New Angeles. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for backing me up there. That That's worked perfectly. Right. Just like in rehearsals. <laughs> well, we... we... We train. This is what all those weeks we spend in between podcasts. Well, is about. it's it's a big white box with a board so big even the Catholic school's P and C couldn't fill it. It's <laughs> this is a monster. Um, what what have we got as far as the background story though, Jamie? What's what's going on in the world of New Angeles? Well, look, you covered it at the top of the show, but I'm gonna 
give yeah. you the all-in view of the the uh, Netrunner universe, which is where this game is set. So, it's a few hundred years in the future. And humanity's hit a point now where we're one with technology when we want to be. We know we can jack in directly to the net. We can uh, use virtual avatars like they were just extensions of ourselves. I can't wait. Uh, and we've also reached a point where we've got sentient artificial intelligences and uh, we've developed a space elevator that links the Earth and the Moon. And it's not and like that Simpsons elevator that goes nowhere. It not goes, at all. So it goes the whole way. And, uh, so it's, it's sort of not quite Star Trek because we're still all, you know, packed in tight on the Earth and the Moon and, and I think Mars. Yeah. Uh, but it's going in that direction. The technology is getting there to be, you know, really high end. Unfortunately, being people, we haven't used that technology to be noble and good like Star Trek. We've used no. it to make money. Yeah. So humans are there to screw it up for each other. The, um... This is where we're coming to New Angeles. Because we are corporations who are in the business of making money out of technology. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of us. There's... there's Lots of different corporations to pick from. But here in the city of New Angeles, this is the biggest, busiest, most opportunistic city in the world. And this is where we're all operating. So, the town below us is full of people who are demanding products. We need to meet their demands on a regular basis. As long as we do that, the people are reasonably happy. And that means that we keep, get to keep operating under the radar of the U.S. government. <laughs> we keep getting to do our shady deals, Matt. That's yeah, what it's stuff. And the, and, the, and the board kind of spells that out for you, doesn't it? There's like loads of different districts, big districts. It's a big city. It is a massive city. It is Tokyo times a couple big, packed full of people mm. of all walks of life. So we've got to maintain that city and we've got to maintain the status quo in that city. If we don't, then the U.S. government is going to come in, declare martial law, all of our shady deals and all of our lucrative deals are going to get cut off. Is that is that where New Angeles is? Is it an American city? Because it it is. I believe so. Uh, okay, you know, because there's you know there's definite strong LA tones to it, but there's you know districts like Nihon Gai and and well, uh, you know all, all these other multicultural areas. Is it just like it is very very multicultural? Yeah, I think that's yeah. intense. But I think the world of Android in general is very global yeah. um, in scope. So It's that neon whiz-bang of yeah. Blade Runner that we see, you know. It's, it's that, Absolutely. isn't it? Yep. Yeah. One of the greatest things I've heard about um, 80s Japan is that 80s Japan was what the future looked like. Oh, yeah. All the neon and stuff like that. I was so, so excited about going to Japan and seeing all of that. And then when that tsunami yeah. hit and it was just all these poor villages that got wiped <laughs> out, and I was like, well, where's all the neon? Those, those guys look poor and they've got shacks and stuff. It's, anyway, so, I, I learned a bit that day. Yeah, yeah. So there's lots of artifacts in the game connecting us to the rest of the, the Netrunner universe, the Android universe, sorry. Because um, there's characters from the game and Android and characters from Netrunner and, yeah. and I think there's even um, one of the ones from the Bank Heist game that they did who I can't remember the name of. Uh, but none of that is really important. That's just nice little artifacts for people who know. What yeah. is really important is that in this game, you and the other corporations are all negotiating every turn on deals. 
some of which will advance the uh, advance the conditions that you need to keep the city happy. Some which are just to make you money and just to make you put you in a better position uh, in terms of winning the game. So who's yeah. going to be the top corp? So, so before but we your get top bef- responsibility is to keep the U.S. government out. <laughs> So before we get into the, the hows and, and whys and wheres and, and what to do's in the game, that's, that's the world, isn't it? It's, there's some interesting points there. It's like it's from the Android universe, which we've seen in other games, which incorporates Netrunner, which is a massive uh, yep, game in CCG. itself. It's got like uh, uh, leagues. Yeah, yeah, the, the CCG, right? Well, sorry, the LCG, Living Card Game. It is, it is because it's yeah. Fantasy Flight, yeah. Yep. Um, so, so that's a monster itself. Which is, which is a wonderful board game where you're detectives working in this world to try and solve a murder. Uh, and to sort of give you a bit of a theme of the world, you put evidence on the person that you want to be guilty. It doesn't matter who's actually guilty. And at the end of that game, whoever's got the most evidence condemning them, uh, you know, if that's your suspect, you win. Uh, so, what was, what so, was that game, Jamie? That was Android. Oh, that's, that's that is original. Android. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they've got they've got a lot of the same they've got a lot of the same um, icons and stuff. Because the the and uh, is this called an Android in there? I'm getting yeah, confused yeah. now. Yeah, it's a lot so of the I'm same iconography. The yeah. yeah, so it's consistent throughout all of those games, and I guess that's why it that's what's used to create that cohesive universe, uh, so that people can jump from one Android thing game to another. Or an Knowing. entry point. Like, I don't know because Netrunner seems quite intimidating because, like I said, it's, you know, there's Netrunner leagues and stuff, you know, and you're like really jumping into something huge in that. You know, you go, is it ahead of me? Android? I haven't seen the game around uh, a, a, a lot of late. But this, you know, it's a, it's a board game. You can, you, can, you can get into that world. With- I, I really think that uh, we should be getting into this later, but I really think that there, there are four different games set in the Android <clears throat> universe and each one of them... Yeah, the, the fourth one is Infiltration. Yes, like a yeah, job. that's right. It's a yeah, that's a that's a yeah. That's the one that exists solely on the internet. I think uh, like it's a net hacking game, but um, or is that mainframe anyway? Oh, but so th- here for information, listener, <laughs> you're getting it. So yeah, see, so there's a different game to suit different uh, like different aspects. The uh, Android is a social deduction, uh, or is a deduction sort of game in a sense. Um, the Netrunner is a card game, uh, deck builder. Uh, New Angeles is that economic Euro style game. Um, and yeah, and before you tune out, listener, that's exactly <laughs> the sort of game that I think stinks too. And I've got opinions plus and minus for this later on, but, but I'm in on this game, I'm telling you. Um, but that's so, the thing so, what do we. Is that all these things, like they've taken social deduction, but they've tied it really intimately to board game mechanics. Yeah. So yeah. actually. I think it it's. I think it's end the, up feeling like a mechanical game. It ends up feeling like a thematic game that has mechanics that match. Exactly. That's that's nailed it. But what have we got? What do we got when we open this board? So the board is one of those oversized boards which are becoming really popular now. So this and there's game, a lot this, of the board areas. is massive, isn't yeah. it? We've got it across our gaming table here, yeah. and it's hanging over the edges. It's so massive. Yeah, it's one of those ones where. You've definitely got to give somebody the role of um, board unfolder, distributor. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say the maintenance person. While someone sorts out all the cards, someone else is just unfolding yeah. the board. <laughs> That's it. And yeah. it's interesting that they've made that choice as well, because you could very easily fit what they what you use that board for on a much smaller board, 
Yeah. They've really spaced it out. They've done beautiful art to go with it. It's, yeah. it's very immersive. And why not? Because it's easily, it fits on any table quite easily. I mean, we're going across the table, and this is a table I've made myself, so there's no <laughs> measure at all. But it easily fits on a board, and it's huge, and it's easy to see all the components on it, right? Yeah, yeah it's beautiful. So the top of the board has your uh, your tracker for uh, capital for for what your the money that your corporations are earning. Yeah. The it also has the federal the threat the federal threat tracker. Yeah. So once it reaches twenty five, which is the the highest number, then that's it. The U.S. government steps in and uh, slaps. Uh, Shuts the city down. Slaps fines on everybody and takes control. Now I think what's interesting about this is that. To, for the for the corporations to rise, I think it's one of those situations where the federal government has been in trouble. They couldn't bail themselves out financially, and so they've gradually bought out all those public services and things like that. So now they totally control them. But now the federal government has got some more power from somewhere, and they're thinking, well, we really want to take control of those things because mm. we're losing out on a lot of capital and all that sort of stuff. So let's go back and take it back. Um, but the, I, I'm not, I was going to say, well, I don't think we're being overly clear on what the objective of the game is. And that is interesting in itself, isn't it? Because yeah. that can be different every single time as well, even yeah. if you're playing the same corporation. What they can do, it tells you how many cards they can draw. Uh, uh, what, what kind? Action cards they yeah. can draw and what kind. Uh, and a tied in with that is that, a... Are, are they asset cards? The, these, these ones here? Yeah. These ones? Oh, hang on. I know yeah, you can't see the, what I'm the talking different, about. The different asset cards. The action that you cards. Action cards. Really? Yeah, yeah action cards. Okay. Asset cards are something completely different. Oh, yeah, yeah those are so, the ones, right? the, the, extra, the yeah. extra ones, yeah. I'm trying to find, sorry, <clears throat> this sounds really nice for all the listeners. Here we go, I found them. So I'm looking for the cards, which are the roles, and each one of them has a corporation they're on not it. They're roles, exactly. No, you're right. They're, they're hidden agendas. Got, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're who you have to beat. Yeah. Basically. So interesting. You'll either get another corporation at the table and you have to beat that player to win the game. In yep. in terms of That's- money, you have to it's always always about money, isn't it? You have to have more credits than another corporation. Yeah. Or if you're the federalist. Well, yeah, but money is points basically, yeah. And yep. the but then there's the federalist as well, which is yeah. what is a federalist okay. doing, Matt? So if you're the if you are still one of the corporations, in, yeah. and the Federalist is just your working form. So you're that like that inside player for the federal for the for the government. Yeah, you want now, the threat to go big. You don't win normally to everyone else. Uh, everybody else is trying to yes directly compete and beat somebody as one other corporation. However, if they happen to if you happen to draw yourself, then you've actually got a, a finish in front of three other corporations, which is tough. So, which is, is a tough ask. But if you happen to be the federalist, then you have to uh, you've you got a, to you've pass. got to force yeah. the threat tracker. All the way to twenty five, but you have to. Have but you have to have twenty five capital to do yeah. it. So now the, the threat, the threat tracker only goes up to twenty five, right. where the credit token can go up as high as you want. It yeah. has a special way of going past. It goes up to thirty nine on the board. Yeah, flip it over, but then you flip over your little chit and go back to zero, and it says forty plus whatever you're on. Yep. So that's how, that's credits, right? So Federalist is interesting as well. Yeah, and, so, and that's a different objective. So no one specifically is the Federalist. But, however, if, as in your role as one of the corporations, you are forcing the Federalist agenda. So you're trying to bring about this threat. 
So, and yeah, the, the, so you've got your corporation that's given to you, and then you've got this other card which gives you another objective, yep. which is that's so cool because it just mixes it up. You've got that blend of two different objectives happening at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So that's it. So that's your objective. Complete whatever it says <clears throat> on your card. Okay, yeah. and and beat the person. Now it's one of these games where yes, it's possible to have more than one winner as long as you complete the conditions of your card. But yeah. if the Federalists get to their goal of twenty five twenty five capital and twenty five threat, then everybody loses. It doesn't matter how many cap- how much capital you have, uh, you all lose collectively. Other than mm-hmm. the Federalist player, that's not the only card you get when you get. At setup, you also get given a uh, an emergency card yeah. specific to your corporation. Now we which, never flip these, did we? No, because, because it's very specific on yeah. other cards, causing you to flip it. And it has special actions that you can take in uh, under certain condi- con- conditions. I'm just looking at the Jinteki one at the moment, and it says mandatory quarantine. So remove up to four illness tokens from the city, then place two outage tokens in the city. Illness tokens do not increase threat during this action. So when this emergency action gets flipped over, usually it's face down, but when a card activates, it flips up, you then have to do that action, that emergency action. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in there which we haven't really yeah. covered yet. Because there's on each city, there is um, an Android token which indicates which ones you, that you're going to uh, That's your draw. workforce. Yeah, who, where you're going to draw resources from. Yep. And then that's that's round uh, in in shape, and that doesn't really have any other cards. Then there's a what was a hexagonal sort of uh, shaped one, which um, or octagonal. Octagonal is it? One, two, three, <laughs> four. Yeah, octagonal. Um, and it's got there. You can have your strike or your yep. um, outages. Yep. And they can't occupy the same space. Underneath that. Well, these are all tokens side. too, by the these way. These are all tokens. You've got your um, outages. No, oh, you've oh, no, got your, your, development your, your development token, which again is an irregular octagon. Yeah, and then below that, you've <laughs> got a tiny illness token. Now, they all have different effects when you... Um, what's the word that they use for drawing resources out of a place? It's like... Um, oh, it's um, exploit. Exploit an area. Yeah. yeah. And uh, across the top of the district, you've got a couple of icons or a single icon that tell you what you're exploiting that region for. That's your resource. Yeah. And uh, the resources that you're looking for are also defined for you by the starting card, which tells you what the resource amount that you're looking for. And you've got energy, consumables, tech, entertainment, and credits. And the first card that you draw will tell you how much energy you need this this turn before the demand phase, how much, how many consumables, how much tech, entertainment, credits, and so forth. Yeah, that's, that's your demand card. So that sets out what your targets are for the first three rounds of the game. The, so, it's actually broken into three rounds of, of three. three, but it's even longer than that, very more variable than that because each round can be broken into several turns depending on your event cards, which tell you how many turns you're going to have in the next round. Mm. So there are a lot of variables about, about to but control the but length of the game. But essentially, you're trying to meet these targets yeah. against these five different resources. And obviously, outages are going to screw you up. Strikes are going to screw you up. Yeah. Uh, disease will screw you up. We should and probably I- talk about tied into this as well. Yep. Everyone gets dealt an investment card each round. Ah, that's telling right. Telling you... What you're trying to make, yeah, or hoping will get made yes. during the round. 
Yeah, that's a secret little bit of information again. That's um, that's every every demand round. You you've got this card, and if you happen to meet the the conditions of that card, it's going to give you a little bit of boost in the uh, economic. Yeah, yeah, in the capital department, a fistful of capital. And uh, then the next, you go on to draw another one, and that happens three times throughout the game. So you're trying to get as much money as you can without the threat going up too quickly, unless you're the Federalist, and still you've got to get your 25. So you're managing, like the narrative says, you're keeping the city happy whilst you can get as much money as you can by all the underhanded deals that you can. Yeah. And the underhanded deals, I think this is what Jamie was talking about before, it only just it doesn't just exist within the mechanics of the game. It also transfers into a social aspect around who's sitting around the table, and you start wheeling and dealing. Yep. Which it, which I, I that and that's where I'm in. I think that's where it's fun. If you <laughs> if this if you're just playing this game and you're just head down looking at your own stuff, and it's just very mechanically, I will do this, I will do that. Go, you have a go. You do this, you do that. I've finished my go. You have a go. That would it's not be, like that. No. But there's plenty of games like that that are so dry. Well, that's the very that's the Euro nature of this yeah. game. But what differs that from the Euro this from the Euro games is that you have that opportunity to negotiate, bribe, um, cod- form allegiances, right? yeah, in, alliances. In the, in the moment. and you get to use your capital that you're earning as. A bargaining tool. You get to you use. You can use that. anything. You can use yeah. assets that you've already <laughs> a, a, a attained. Uh, do it well. The asset cards, which you're collecting each, uh, are your goal for each turn. Your the asset cards give you uh, advantages that you can use from then on. Some of them are at the end of your turn. Others are at the beginning of your turn. Some of them are at the beginning of other players' turns, um, and some just, of them just are going discard. On the alliances you were talking about a minute yeah. ago. One of the coolest things that I've had happen play, while playing this game is um, the guy who, who secretly wanted to beat me was really friendly to me the whole way through. <laughs> and that was absolutely fine. I was loving having an alliance with him because we were beating up on the guy who I had to beat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, turned around and uh, what, did he, didn't he end up beating you? Well, sure, but we both win as long as we beat. As long as you beat the guy That's that true. you're yeah. trying to beat, you you win the game. Yeah, theoretically, theoretically, everyone but one player can win this game. <laughs> yep. That's where we get back to my Titanfall two thing. Yeah, but not last. <laughs> That's what you got to aim for. Not last. <laughs> so don't be that last guy. <laughs> <laughs> so an example of the asset cards. Uh, I've got Sonny LeBeau here, who's the Nets' top cop. Uh, when threat increases by one or more, that's the uh, Federalist Threat Tracker, you may draw two action cards of the topmost type listed on your corp sheet. So every time things go bad in the city, throughout the city and the Federalists are that much closer to coming in and intervening or interfering, uh, you get the opportunity to get some more action cards into your hand which give you more options to play. Um, now, what, the, the, the most important, yeah, the most important part of this game is the offer, is the um, is the uh, resolve a deal, steps of a deal phase, yeah, the steps of a deal phase. So the active player gets to look through their action cards 
and decide. Well, first of all, you've turned over the asset card and you've, you've made a decision on whether what's on the asset card is something that you would like to have or something you'd like to not ignore and pass on to somebody else. So you look at that and you say, okay, yeah, I want that card because it's going to give me extra advantage each turn. Well, then I'm going to look at my action cards and decide which one of those is going to help me get that asset because it's going to benefit the city. You're going to sell it to the other people. Yeah, and that's it. It doesn't really matter what it does as long as you can sell it to other people and get the votes. Well, a great example is remove illness. As the Jinteki player, you are wanting to get rid of illness. Because you get credits for it. Because you get money for it. So that's on your court card. So I want to do that. There's something for me, but here I can turn to the next player in line and say, look, if you give me a vote... So I can get my uh, my action my offer um, acknowledged, then I'll give you I don't know I'll give you some money a share of the credits that I get or I'll give yeah. you this asset card. Or I'll give you the asset that I'm going to win. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. And so then it goes to this system where I've put my offer down. Then the next player in line has the chance to put down a counter offer. They say, well, no, I want that asset card, or I don't want you to have that asset card. Uh, so I'm going to well, counter your offer. Yeah, and because you, you're saying like Jinteki there, you know, like saying, okay, I'm going to reduce uh, the illness in a particular area. But if that doesn't apply, like if the Android's yeah. not in that area or if it's uh, not in an area that we want to move the Android to, yeah. then everyone's going, I don't, I don't care about that. So you've got to, if that's the best card oh, you've got, it. you've got to sell it to them somehow. Yep. Uh, and that's that's where the and that's where the social interaction starts happening, yeah. and that's where the game gets cool because that's just off <laughs> the board, isn't it? That's just between who's sitting around the table. Yeah. Well, I love you, that stuff. What yeah. were you about to say, Jamie? I was going to say let, let's not forget as well that uh, you have to discard extra cards, effectively extra votes that you could be spending. That's right. Uh, yeah, in order to place a counter offer. So for yeah. everyone who's already put a counter offer down this turn, you've got to just go an extra card to make a counter offer. Which is over the top. Which gets us to our first cheating point and pro tip, <laughs> or it's probably an amateur tip. It took us a game and a half to realise that you can put more than one card down when you're voting. As a vote, yeah. It's just one of those things that we missed in the instructions. So when you're voting, you're using your um, action cards. Action cards. And you can put your whole handful down there. If you're really strong on that, you can go like, bang, five. I'll ha- I want it all, all to happen. I'll, yep. I'll, I want to vote. I'll put a, a vote on the counter offer or something like that. And then that puts more waiting to win. Because if it ties, it goes to the active player. The main offer wins, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or, yeah, the main, the main offer wins. What's interesting, there are also asset cards out there that let you manipulate that. So you could, if you get the right asset card, you could turn around and say, well, if there's a tie, I'm going to decide who's going to win. So you can do that. That's an option, which is vetoes or negates the whole point of the vote, especially if somebody's used all of their cards to vote. Then all of a sudden they've, they've wasted their, their vote, essentially. Uh, and I think the other thing we did wrong slightly was... Well, I was going to go through our pro tips uh, that we wrote down. Do you want to go through? Yeah, yeah, actually do that because it's right. the same thing. All right, pro yeah, tips. You're trying to do pro tips. He's doing no tips. Yeah. <laughs> pro tips and no tips, like stuff that you shouldn't do. Uh, pro tips. We've got the regions are numbered. Use these at first so you can pronounce <laughs> the region names. In the, in the cards, it does say uh, region 10, and it will say um, base de Cayembe or base de Cayembe. 
or Esmeraldas. They're very colourful, like, district names, but it will always say the number. So if you're looking at your card thinking, what the hell's that number there for? Is that, is that 10 presects that go in there? No, that means uh, presects going to area 10. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, by the way, there are miniatures in this game. As yeah, in, oh, as we haven't got to that. There are lots of cards, lots of tokens, and the miniatures look great. Yeah, very cool. Um, I've got here, I'll just read them out as hopefully it makes sense. What's our common goal? Here's how he can help us achieve it with a private objective in mind too. Asset rewards to maintain competition. Does that make sense? I don't I don't get what I meant there. Uh, What's our no. common goal? Well, the common goal is about your demands. You know, the common goal oh, this is, is to, the to meet demand and keep threat down. So, yeah, yeah the, the main goal is to keep threat down. The secondary goal – actually, no, sorry. Yeah. The f- primary goal is to meet demand because the secondary goal is to not let threat increase. And the problem is if you fail to meet demand, threat will increase. So you're collaboratively – you're As trying to keep the face of, let's keep do it demand. for the city. But really, you're thinking, let's do it for the city, yeah. but I want this to happen as well. <laughs> that's right. That's, yeah. I think that's what it That goes. will help me, you know. And that's 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 how your yeah. investment card comes into play. Right. So, yeah. Sell your offers to other players. Yeah. This is the main thing about this game. This takes it from being the Eurogamer that Jamie was talking about into something which is a little bit more special because it's how you behave around the table. If you want to be dry and play it purely Euro, you can do that. But this game rocks when you get to a, uh, a, the, the uh, you know, really putting a lot of effort in and, and coloring it up. And like we were, we were really talking about the plight of people with illness having to work and how they're going to go on strike and we don't want them to go on strike and all this kind of stuff. You know, really sell it. That, that's obviously yeah. fun. It's a good. great example of this, and I think I caught uh, Travis off guard when I started doing this. Uh, I'd picked up one of the one of the action cards, and I put it down as my main offer. And the card happened to be 24-7 Live Feeds, which is a media card. Uh, decrease unrest by one stage in any district or remove one or crime unit. The great thing about this, I didn't just put that down there and <clears> just say, like, this is my offer, uh, anyone have a counter offer? I put the, down this and says, I'm using this card to decrease crime across these districts. Uh, I propose that... I remove, and then you go into the details of what you, um, I'm going to remove um, this or crime unit from Manta. I'm going to totally eradicate uh, the mafia or the crime bosses. And you kind of go into that salesmanship role to get you other are, people to vote. Especially when people start to make counter offers, you're like, yeah. look, that techie guy over there, he's just trying to make cash for himself. <laughs> he probably wants to beat you, pal. You should be helping me save the city. Yep. Somebody puts down a counter offer to your main offer and all of a sudden you're into the, well, all he's suggesting is he does this. Now, how's that going to help us throughout the city? Whereas I need to know by putting this card down, uh, I can make this happen and, and that's, gonna, that's what's going to get us to demand or that's what's going to keep threat down or that's what's gonna, going to uh, get us all that little bit of extra capital in the uh, demand phase. So... It, it that very much for me adds a role play element, and I really enjoy yeah. that aspect. So hey, that's look, my tip: is role play it. Yeah, role play. It. Look, you mentioned Travis in there. He's nearly twelve. If you're thinking this is too complicated a game, he's nearly twelve. He got this, and he was into it yeah. faster than we were. He was loving this, right? So it, I think it does get proper complicated, but it and the social interaction is great. But a twelve year old can get it. He loved it. That's something to consider. Yeah. Um, the like the way the game treats you, you know, the way um, 
events happen and action card uh, event cards get drawn every round. Um, I, I made a point here. It's not as brutal as Arkham Horror, but <laughs> uh, but the additional thing is. But what is these days? Because nothing treats you as horribly as Arkham Horror does. You know, it's just like every round can just send you for a spin. So yeah. it's not as brutal as that. You can bust bust moves. You can work together and uh, achieve your goals still. Uh, there's an area, if, if there's, there's, there's a flow-on effect, if um, too many preset units get, or too many old crime units get uh, get uh, spawned. Yep, throughout the city. Throughout the city. One gets spawned early on in the chain. All of a sudden, they overflow into another area. Yeah. There's one there. It overflows into there. And they go from district to district to district. If that happens, the ultimate place that they end up is called the, the Root, <laughs> which doesn't really seem to make sense and really offers itself to a podcast like this to take absolute <laughs> piss out of it. But we're not going to. It's just I put The Root. Really? Anyway. <laughs> and then and then, well, the great thing about The Root is that once you've ended up in The Root, yeah. You are Please removed from the board. The- <laughs> <laughs> it increases threat, basically. If you yeah. get a whole bunch of old crime in there, threat goes up. Boom. Um, an interesting thing about this game, Matt started using words like scratch. <laughs> he goes, we want to make some scratch. Yeah, get some scratch, you know, uh, get some folding, some paper. Yeah, none um, of us knew what he talked about until he said credits, and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, well, scratch. <laughs> the um, event cards, you know, which you touched on, now, they set the tone for the game, uh, tone for the next round. Yeah. They're your obstacles <clears throat> that are in the way, or, or rather they're the things that your your main offers and your counter offers are going to be directly affecting. So It's the AI of the game, really, isn't it? It's like in every, a sense, every round, yeah. what, it's a game happens, playing back. what happens in the city. So to give you an example, the Pistoleros hit squad strike. The Pistoleros hit squad strike. A rash of undercity violence, hundreds dead. If there is an org crime unit in a tier two district, and the districts are blocked, there are three different districts. There's uh, the lower, the middle, and the upper, and they're de- delineated by colours. Uh, otherwise, uh, what was I saying? Tier two district increased threat by three. Now that's a bad thing to happen. So if you've got org crime in a tier two district, immediately your threat's going up. Otherwise. Starting with the highest number district, each org crime unit moves. And this is what David was talking about, where you get that flow-on effect. So if you've got too many org crime units or too many, um, uh, you've got preset units on the board, org crime, it has to move and it has to always flows uphill. Uh, in between the districts, there are little arrows that tell you where units will move. So if it happens that an org crime unit appears on a preset unit, it can't stay there. It has to move, and it moves up to the next tier if that's the case. And then, against, like you said, it ends in the root. But under that, you've got uh, some other things that happen. One of them is the, the people first, which I guess are like your political activists or militant activists, I guess you'd call them. Um, they start to appear on the board in certain districts. Represented by Mohawks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. The, um, the organised crime is represented by a very suave gentleman with a couple with a 
pistol and a cigar in one hand or something like that. Sicilian guys in suits. Yeah, that's it. They appear on the board. And so if there's... If there happens to be one of those, it'll tell you which district to put it into. Then there are outages. So if you happen to have an outage spawn in your district or a district, it'll tell you which district to put it into. Conversely, it could say that there's no more outages this this event. And the final thing on the cards is the uh, illness token. So illness across the board is a very diff is a very bad thing in general because any action card that you use that works that that has an effect in a district where there's an illness token you increase threat so that's a bad thing if if you're playing the corporation plus you're also your hidden agenda is the federalist you're probably be going to be trying to convince people to do as many actions as possible in illness infected areas but I guess if you're doing that it's a, it's a pretty good giveaway the well, other thing well, is I play, I play the federal federalist yeah. once and it was really kind of hard to do stuff that you knew would blatantly increase threat. You had to find out sneaky ways, like the overflow into the route. You know, I'm, yeah. I, if I can see if I can get a, a, a guy spawned there, it's going to overflow, and we're going to get two threat out of that. You know, and it, it's, it's just it's just really interesting to keep your eyes on everything. You know, that's happening within the city. That's it. So the, the time that I played the Federalist was great. I was uh, I was Haas Bioroid, the the guys who are good at moving around all the androids to where they need to be to produce resources. Yeah. So we got to the last round of the game. Threat was okay, and I put down a proposal that you know I'd, I'd move all the androids to where they needed to go to make resources for us. You lied, didn't you? They all voted for it, and then I moved them all to the wrong places where there was disease. So yeah. I targeted all all those, hit them up, and. Uh, Suddenly, threat was too high for anyone to do anything about it. And that—that that was one of my pro tips. It was, yeah, say you're going to do one thing, everyone votes for you, and then completely lie and do the opposite thing. I mean, you might get pinged for it, but yeah, when it comes down to the last couple of rounds of the game, it doesn't matter. You can just go for it. It's a pretty dick move, but there's also there's one of the. <laughs> but it's not because you're trying to. No, how do you no, no, steal no, the game? It's, no, it's, it is. It's a dick move. It's but, not. It's like but you're playing thematically. It's like looking at a game of football. If you kick the ball into the person's net, you'll make them unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dick move. No, it's not. They're trying to win the game. <laughs> there is actually there's an asset card which prevents that scenario, and basically, oh yeah, whatever whatever on, deal yeah. you make. Um, the person that pulls the, that <laughs> asset card onto you, uh, that's the deal you're stuck with. So if you say you're going to do something, you have to do it. And the fact that that card exists <laughs> says yeah. in the rest of the game, you should be lying your ass <laughs> that's off. That's right. Which is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very, very thematic. You know, the wheeling, dealing na- nature of corporations. You know, you see it. Even with the the big banks today and whatnot, Lehman Brothers and all those other corporations that have needed financial bailouts from the government and whatnot. You know, to, to get to that point, they've mismanaged, they've lied, they've misappropriated, whatever, to get to that situation. This is the same thing. These corporations are lying through their teeth. They're exploiting the workforces. They're, they're, the rich are getting mm. richer, the poor are getting screwed over. And, uh, and ill. You know, the, at, the, at the very base root of the game... The poor are probably wanting the Federalists to step in and put a stop to this at some way, which is why the People First movement exists, because they're rioters. They're the people saying, the androids are taking our jobs. The, um, you know, so we're, we're going to have this 
we're going to put out this protest. We're going to uh, do crime, you know, minor crime, or we're going to just make ourselves a nuisance and stop you from being able to produce resources or uh, you know things like that. So they become a bit of a nuisance thing. But that's where it starts down at the the very poor, the bottom echelons of the of the android yeah. world. Getting very passionate about it here, Matt. You oh, know? I, you know, it is. Because <laughs> it, it, it is, a, this whole game is a, is a social, is an economic social story of the decline, rise and decline of uh, capitalism. See, even as basically. you say all of that, it, all of those words scare me off. Hmm. You're like, yeah, rise and, rise and fall of so, socialist, economic. <laughs> it's oh, words that I just but don't want to... brings I'm you back... back is the theme, the connectedness of the theme. I love the futuristic the nature of it. Uh, I, I don't even care about the mechanics, yeah. to be fair. I like the futuristic theme. I love the social interaction of wheeling and dealing and having a bit of a laugh about, you know, <laughs> I'm going to try and plug this. And also having that secret agenda. I like secret agendas in games, yeah. you know. It's really good. It's a good it, yeah, if like if you know you're playing snakes and ladders and it's just you just got to get to that end that finish line before everyone else. Well, it's very one dimensional. This yeah. is well, maybe you got to go down three snakes and you've won. You know, you got to go four ladders and you've won. It's like it <laughs> changes it up a whole bunch. Did I just invent a new no, board game? I particularly enjoyed no. in this game. <laughs> just just the notion that you've only got to beat one other person is so good. Unless unless you draw your own card, then you've got to beat three other people. Which is terrifying. Sure. terrifying. Well, that, right? that just means you're going to have... You've got to go full... Full belt. Full out yeah. on uh, capital, getting acquiring as much capital as you can. I never found myself... I don't know if it's my nature of how I play, but I've always found it really hard to get capital in this game. I was, I, I struggled for it. You, you just went... You were like 40-odd... Yeah. But what happened, trails. I got all that capital, but I still lost because you were the Federalist. Yeah. And, you know, you beat us that way. And, and the funny thing is we were looking at the threat tracker saying, oh, it's only, don't worry, it's only at four. It's okay. We've got plenty of time. Don't worry. It's at nine. It's okay. Things are yeah. fine. We can still rein that in. 14, you know, it's looking a little bit iffy, but, you know, we've only got this many number of rounds to go. What could go wrong? The Federalists could go wrong because we're someone to 20. actually, <laughs> well, we didn't get that high. It was like, it was like 17 or 18. Yeah. And I'm as able to plot something together. Man, I had to bust a few brain fuses trying to figure out how that could work. <laughs> but I, but I think I also got helped out by an event card, yeah, yeah. as well. So it, it all came, it fell into my lap in the end. Yeah. But it's, so it's not happened? something you can go too crazy about earlier on, is it? Like if you no. you're a federalist and you go for it, everyone's going to point the finger and go, "You're the federalist. You're trying to increase threat." Yeah. Increase threat. So we're not going to pass anything you do. Anything you want, yeah. you're not getting it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you were lucky. There's that big jump. You know, small increases at the beginning of the game become big increases at the end. Like you said, when you got to, I think it was 17 or 18, you only then needed um, uh, seven well, points. And you scored 14, I well, think it was, in the last Well, one. there was a lot of minis on the table. There was a lot of yeah. outages. There's lots of illness. So there's lots of opportunity. And bang, you had it. Boost threat, yeah. So all my capital, all my money grabbing, you know, was for naught because you were just able to yeah, but exploit you know what? my greed, which is what happens. You exploited my greed and then came and said, right, now we've got you. Uh, you're under martial law. Yeah, but you probably <laughs> just like got on your private jet and went to Jamaica. You know, the rich, the rich keep on <laughs> yeah, being rich. You, I, I got on the space elevator and went to Luna. So overall, Jamie... got to suck on Helium 3. Jamie, how do you feel about your new Angeles experience this month? I... 
freaking loved it. Is uh, the only way to put it. Really, I, I literally, you know, like this game. If I was going to point to anything as a flaw, it can be a bit long. Yeah, yeah, two to four hours. A... The gameplay is so satisfying, so so wonderfully social, and just so nice to look at. It actually feels really immersive and yeah. futuristic and cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I loved this game. I, I, I got that exactly the same thing. It's just like I got right into the theme of it and I actually loved playing it. It's, but something, something, there's something about it for me personally, which I'm worried about not playing it ever again. Like when we played this last time with Matt, I said, is this the last time I ever play this <laughs> game? Which was sad to me because once, I'm, once it's on the table and we're playing it, I'm thinking, this is fantastic. I yeah. love how this game plays. But I'm also, like, I'm thinking, once we pack it up and put it in the box, we'll move on to a next game's game of the month. And I'm wondering, will this game come back onto our tables? Mm. That's, and that, I know and, it will for me. Yeah, that's good. Because it worries me that it won't for me because I, because I enjoy playing it. It's like, to, to draw a long analogy, it's like painting for me. <laughs> I love painting. I think the last time I sat down and did some painting was like 2006, and I was sitting there going, this is the best thing ever. I should do this all the time. I haven't done it for <laughs> 10 years. It's like, why wouldn't you do something you enjoy that yeah. much? I probably didn't enjoy it as much as painting, but I, am I going to get back? Are we going to play this game again, Matt? I, I get the same feeling with uh, uh, Lords of Waterdeep, and, and I guess in a sense this game has some very common, some similarities to Lords of Waterdeep. Uh, but I, I get to the stage now where I don't pull that down off the shelf if I'm going to play a game because I know how long it goes. I know the the setup involved. Uh, and Is I that because we're just getting get old and buzz. tired? And we just... I don't get the buzz from it that I, I think I did when I initially was playing it. Yeah. Um, so th- there is that risk. You know, This is a game where you've actually got to be sure the people you're going to play with it are, are on board with you. Because I'm, if they're not I'm into really? economic, yeah, yeah, we got we got my wife and Travis into this, and but they were playing it. And they, they were getting dr- it. They were dragooned into. You know, oh, they on, had to play. They had to play. It was compulsory. But Travis <laughs> loved it. Uh, Travis uh, would play now. Look, one, of, one of the interesting things okay. here, um, this game, I was thinking very hard about who do you recommend it to, and I think the answer is virtually every game store has that that group of twenty something guys who probably live together in two one or two houses. Who play games, and that's what they do is they, in their spare time. This is perfect and for those guys. That group, that group will love this game to death. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, because they're the same guys that'll pull out diplomacy. Oh, yeah, 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 and it's like it's the same guys that will just you know week to week try new games. You know, they'll just buy different things to give it a go. But they will play this game over and over and over and over again because it hits all the right buttons for board gaming. Those, as as somebody who's trying to uh, rally against using Facebook and and the internet and my phone as much as I can, <laughs> that's what life should be all about, shouldn't it? it? Should be you should be sharing a house with two or three mates, you invite someone else over, you get this out, and instead of watching telly or all those shows we're talking about, or spending the night flicking through Facebook on your phone, play this. This that's. Isn't that what living's about? I'm waiting. Oh my to god! Get... I've become that hippie guy on a freaking podcast. I'm waiting to get to that stage <laughs> where my kids are old enough to be able to do that. At the moment, board games at my place consists of uh, Whack a Mole, uh, Loop and Louie, and be doing better um, than that. 
and uh, coconuts. All right, if we learn nothing else, you're a bad parent, Matt. <laughs> oh, hey. Look, in fairness, oh, I, I can buy a lot of Loop and Louie. Yeah, <laughs> Loop and Louie, yeah. All uh, right. I, I had one thing I was going to say, David. Yes. Now, the reason why this game goes quite long in those games that we've played is there's a particular card, an asset card, which David successfully got twice which increases his hand size to 10. So once he has 10 or more cards in his hand, he can't bloody decide what to play. And so, you know, there's a lot of downtime yeah. while you're waiting for David to make a choice. Um, but I'm not going to be in your game <laughs> if, you're, if you're playing this at home, listener. I, I don't have to be involved. But it's a lot of reading. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of reading. <laughs> but equally, these um, the uh, action cards... Also pretty limited within the within yeah. the different piles. They're pretty same samey, so you know what you, you're gunning for. Yeah. There's so not a lot of variation there. A few plays. You know through. what people can do by what the, what colours they have. Yeah. But yeah. So if you played throughs and you've pretty much got it, and you know which ones, which way the game's heading, which ones you can throw away. All right. In summary, we have we got anything else we want to throw in? Something that's been burning away about this game. That I we haven't already mentioned. I this is a return to. I love the theme. And for me, I've always held on to uh, the cyberpunk genre in general. Uh, it's, a, yeah. I'm a big, it's a big hit with me, I all the way back too. to William yeah. Gibson um, and, and those first um, novels that he wrote, which will come up later in the quiz, by the way. Oh, uh, oh shit. <laughs> and to, to things like Blade Runner and, um, and that sort of that, that genre. I like I, I enjoyed Cyberpunk 2020 as a role-playing game. I've never played it, but I read the book from back to front, cover to cover, and I feel that I know it better than any other game system I've ever played because I was vest invested in the theme. Now I'm hoping now there's actually, I believe that's going to get a reinvention soon. So we said earlier on immersive. Yeah. This game is yeah. immersive. And like that's looking why. at it now, I'm thinking, is it? But it is. Once you're playing, you just, you're so in there. Yeah. You like, you're an artwork guy. You, yeah. you like, oh, it's fantasy flight. Fantasy They're going to get me every time, yeah. aren't they? You know, I'm big on theme. I like yeah. my themes. And, uh, this, this hits a very, this hits a chord with me because of the, the cyberpunk, theme yeah and uh yeah jamie wow. what about you he's, he's already had his yeah, game he's, absolutely he's in. the same um i love thematic games i love bluffing and i love uh, social interaction so this game just has me written all over it yeah love the bluffing thing now, that just that excites me so much that you can just outright lie say i'm going to do these three things everyone votes for you go <laughs> jamie you're the greatest guy in the universe and you go well screw you i'm going to do something completely different for my own benefit and it's just <laughs> like how does everything because everybody's doing that so as soon as the as soon as we decide jamie's the biggest asshole at the table well and i'm <laughs> going to do something equally bad right the very next round then everyone's going to hate me and it's those temporary alliances and and really it's just everybody's vying for themselves and it's that yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. One other thing I just really want to quickly throw in here. With most games where there's a traitor, yeah. you can often sort of puzzle out who the traitor is. Yeah. But the very nature of this game, there are enough moving parts and you're all so mercenary in the first place. For sure. The traitor hide in this game and I love that. It's so good. Yeah. You've hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Everybody's a traitor. So <laughs> it's... Um, yeah, it it it, it uh, ticks that box. All Definitely. right, should we wrap this up and come back 
<sighs> with a Matt's quiz. Matt's quiz. Matt's quiz. Now, this, this, this week in one chunk, yeah. and by chunk I was referencing toilet humour. Because <laughs> on pizza, we had it in, beer and pizza, we had it in two, two chunks. chunks. Yeah. Yeah. Multiple we, servings. Yeah. Um, all together, and, and it goes back to its usual length of ridiculously long. But oh, okay. No, that's all right. Yeah, here uh, we go. And I was going to say, as I, I mentioned off air, that... If you've been paying attention, you've already got some of the answers to these questions. That's why I look so defeated, because... <laughs> you weren't paying attention. wasn't paying attention, no. I was more panicking about trying to get all our pro tips out. <laughs> all right. See so how I do. this is my loosely based on New Angeles quiz. Yeah. And it's a very much a... a very much a sci-fi theme tonight. Genre, sci-fi genre, Ooh. techno theme. Yeah. Question one. Are you ready there, Jamie? Yep. Excellent. William Gibson's groundbreaking techno high story, Neuromancer, was adapted into which 1990s movie starring a totally bodacious dude and a punk rock icon? William Gibson's groundbreaking techno heist movie, uh, heist story, Neuromancer, was adapted into which 1990s movie starring a totally bodacious dude and a punk rock icon? Man, the way you describe that sounds like very much... Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I should say it because it would be a joke or it's... <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. <laughs> How did you go? I bet you've got it, Jamie, haven't you? I haven't indeed got it. <laughs> No, I see, I'll I tell give, you what. I give up now. If you can give me the um, the names of the bodacious dude and the punk rock icon, it could be worth extra points. Is it in the title of the movie? No. Ah, so it's not Bill and Ted's uh, <laughs> excellent adventure. <laughs> Is that, I thought that's where you're going with that. And I thought, God, how did you get to uh, that? Because you said a bodacious dude. It's a dude. clue. It's a bodacious clue. dude. Yeah. Uh. So yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, listener. I'm I'm a, I'm a disappointment <laughs> to myself as well as you. Oh. This is Matt's quiz. All right. Yeah. Question question two is called decipher the meaning. Now, I've got for you four cyberpunk themed words, and they come straight out of the cyberpunk uh, wiki dictionary. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to give you the word, and you've got to come up with the meaning. All right. Now, if you think about the word, you'll, I think you'll get to the meaning. I've chosen some pretty obvious things, I think. But we all know what happens when I think. Yeah. So, question 2A okay. is ARCO, and it's a noun. A-R-C-O? A-R-C-O, ARCO. And we've got to come up with a definition yep. for these what words. What is an ARCO? Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. B, a mentat. What is a mentat? C. Hang on, hang on. Oh. You got it right. Ah. You can oh. fill the gaps in writing. Oh, right. So what is a mentat? And, you know, it, and those that are particular savvy will notice that that's a kickback to another movie reference. Yeah, that rings a bell, you know. Mm. In the meantime, C is a booster. And it's not like a buster booster booster. What is a booster in a, in a cyberpunk theme world? A booster. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, like I said, I thought the, these are quite, uh, you know, quite easy to pick off if you think about the word. <clears throat> yeah. I've got some of them. Yep. Excellent. What about D? Uh, D is leech. A leech. What is a leech in the world of a cyberpunk themed universe? All right. So those that's question two. Oh, there's four four bits. There are four. We've done it. Okay. Yep, there were four bits in that question. Question three. Upcoming computer game Cyberpunk 2077 is based on which 1990s RPG game series by Michael Mon- Pondsmith? What was that one that you talked about before? Yeah, what was that one oh, I talked about shit. before? <laughs> <laughs> Technically, you could go back a little bit further than that too. Um, so there's a name and a number. All right. Incidentally, um, Cyberpunk 2020 is out of this, is uh, the same uh, publisher or same development studio as the Witcher series. Oh, okay. So it should be quite good. Visually, I guess. Question three, upcoming computer game Cyberpunk 2020 is based on which 1990s, well, late 80s, early 90s RPG series? Question four. What do the following movies have in common? All right, I'm going to give you five movies here, and yeah. they all have one common theme. Okay. And before you say, write it down, I'm going to exclude a couple of things. It's not science fiction. It's not they're all movies. It's not they I don't play like that, have man. actors. I'm looking for the deeper right. meaning in your quiz, okay. always. So the first movie is Metropolis. Oh, yeah. Second one, Westworld. Yeah, know that one. Blade Runner. Know that one, yeah. Alien. Yeah, know that one. And The Last Starfighter. Ooh, love that one. All right, so what's the common, what's the common denominator between this all is another of one of those films? what's Matt thinking of? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it really is. Um, <laughs> I know all those things, but drawing the connection is hard. <laughs> and okay, I'm, I'm gonna. I shouldn't. I'm probably giving you away too much information. But think about it's something in. No, no, it's something in the movie. Uh, yes. Okay. I guess characters in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah, right. yeah. All right. Question five. Uh, this one is called Matchup, and I've got four movies. Yeah, and I've got five actors. Right. I want you to match the actors with the movies. You couldn't have just done four and four, could you, Matt? I wanted to do five because okay. I wanted to. Th- I wanted to throw a, a like a hail mary in there. Or so one ball. of these. One of these movies has two of these actors. Correct. That's absolutely correct. See, oh, I'm listening. I'm you listening. Are. Now, right. I'm <laughs> impressed. Yeah. All right. A. Yeah. The first movie is THX. Oh, yeah. The second There's movie. There's a number, isn't there? Yeah, 1138. Yeah. Oh, oh now I know. 1138. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the second one <clears throat> is AI, artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. The third one is Screamers. That one. Don't know that one. And the fourth one is Strange Days. 
Oh, shit. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Okay, so they're the four movies. Now you've got to match the actors up to the movies. Yes. The first actor is Peter Weller. Peter Weller, okay. (coughs) Who you might know for Robocop. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was going to say, he was in Robocop. Yeah. Yeah. Why couldn't that have been a question? I <laughs> knew that would have been too easy. One. Oh, come on. The second one is Jude Law. Jude Law. So which of those movies is a Jude Law movie? Yeah. I like Jude Law. The next actor is Robert Duvall. Yeah. The next actor or actress is Meryl Streep. Oh, I wasn't, well, that's what, wasn't what I was expecting. Okay. So, which of those movies was Meryl Streep in? Yeah. And the last actor is Ray Fiennes. Oh. So, which of those movies was Ray Fiennes in? Oh, okay. So, it wasn't Strange Days, the uh, TV Stranger. Oh, these are all movies. Strange Days. Not. I know you're thinking of the series. What was it? Yeah. What was that? No, was it? Stranger. Stranger. Thi- Strange. Strange Things. Strange Things. Oh, I was yeah. waiting for you to say, well, no, that's a TV series. All right. <laughs> Yeah. So Netf- what was Netflix what was original. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Yep. Oh. Which one was Ray Fiennes in? Okay. Okay. Question six. Are you all right there, Jamie? Uh, all right's a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> Are you okay? Do you need me to repeat anything? Oh, no, no, no. I've got everything down. Okay. Right. Question six. Which bleak dystopian movie is about to get itself a sequel? <laughs> which, <laughs> which is that it you were listening so you were listening which bleak dystopian movie is about to get itself a sequel do I have to get the number right, right? <laughs> yes now you definitely do you can't look no, oh my god wasn't there anyway <laughs> Jamie he's cheating one. <laughs> <laughs> can't remember the number and last question question seven which Japanese animation has been arguably the most influential anime upon the whole cyberpunk genre. Which single anime, I think. And this, again, this is speculative. I didn't know too. This is speculative. Do I get extra points for more exclamation marks after the name? (laughs) Yeah, sure. Why not? (laughs) All right. Last Samurai? (laughs) No, that was Japanese. Let's go back to some answers, shall we? Question one. William Gibson's groundbreaking techno heist story Neuromancer was adapted into which 1990s movie starring a totally bodacious dude and a punk rock icon? Jamie, I'm going to go to David first. Oh. <laughs> I feel he's going to go to me for a lot. Hey, the only bodacious dude making movies in the, uh, in the uh, 90s. Hang on a minute. And a punk rock icon. Mm. I just had a thought. <laughs> to I, share and we'll I give you some points. Oh, I can't get the punk rock icon. I was going with Johnny Mnemonic, but because I was going to say the only bodacious dude I know in the nineties has got to be Keanu. And then I thought, hang on a minute, he was in the Matrix, which is like all over this kind of stuff. I'm going to go with Johnny Mnemonic. Okay, Jamie. It is Johnny Mnemonic. It is Johnny Keanu Mnemonic. Reeves. Who was the punk rocker? Who was, I, I'm sort of not sure what Matt meant here. Uh, it's Henry, he it's Henry Rollins. Oh, is he in there? Yeah, yeah. He's Black the, Flag. He's the, yeah, yeah. Henry yeah. Rollins. Black Flag Henry, oh, Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins is in it too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's the uh, street dark. All right. Nice. I didn't know that. All right. 
questions. So that's a, uh, a point each. Hey, I'm one for one. Let's stop it right here because I was panicking about that one. <laughs> Question two, decipher the meaning. What is an ARCO, Jamie? Uh, it is. The word is a combination of architecture and ecology, I think, which means it's a habitat, a place where people live. What do you think there, David? Oh, I've gone in a different direction. I've said it's what an Aussie Indiana Jones went looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Does that count? No. no. Oh, come on. <laughs> Jamie, you've got it right. Bloody an archaeology hell. is a self-contained living environment. If I knew I was going to get John Demonic right, I would have probably taken it a lot more seriously. <laughs> <laughs> okay, B, uh, a mentat. What is a mentat? Uh, David? All right. It's a lolly that makes your thoughts smell better. (laughs) (laughs) I'm close. Don't steal an answer off me, Jamie. I think I've nailed it. (laughs) A lolly that makes your thoughts smell better is what I said. (laughs) David, it's moments like these you need, mentats. (laughs) Doesn't it boost your uh, intelligence or something in games? Something oh, like that. Anyway. Ja- Jamie, what's your answer? Mentats are from Dune, and they are sort yeah. of psychic mathematicians. <laughs> so shall I put a tick next to mine? It's not going to be a tick. You know what? Yeah, you made me laugh. Uh. <laughs> so a mentat, in, in terms of the uh, cyberpunk dictionary, is a brainy individual who will stare at a problem and come up with an answer without oh, seeming, well, seemingly not looking, appearing to be working on the problem. But he'll stare at it. So, yeah, but yeah. Dave, uh, Jamie, yeah. you get a point because you got the uh, other movie reference. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, C, a booster. What is a booster, Jamie? It's a street ganger. What do you think, David? Yeah, I just thought it was someone... I, I started taking it more seriously now. <laughs> I said, uh, there's someone that would supply you with some kind of drug or something that might be able to like, uh, increase your physiology a bit so you can jack into the net or something. Oh, now you're making stuff up. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> Jamie, oh, you're, definitely you it are up, yeah. definitely closer, Jamie. Yeah. It's, a booster is a gang member with an affinity for cyberware. Did I mention that all my drug supplies were in gangs? <laughs> no. All right. No. Not doing well on question two here. You're doing pretty well. The Aussie Indiana Jones. Oh, man. And last part of that is a leech. What is a leech, David? It's someone who drains your bandwidth. <laughs> oh, that's serious. I'm <laughs> being silly there. That sounds legit. I'm putting a cross next to it already. All right. Jamie. Um. I wasn't sure. I thought it might have been a, a program to, to suck data away from a server. I think if we're talking about in today's modern world, then yeah, you're right. But uh, in the cyberpunk world, a leech is a street doctor or a med tech. Oh, yeah. So oh, that's no, a I shout back like to leeches as a healing thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like that. That's Blood cool. suckers, yeah. All right. Question three. Which upcoming computer games... As com- upcoming computer game Cyberpunk 2020 is based on which 80, uh, late 80s, early 90s RPG game series? What do you think, uh, David? Uh, it's killing me because you mentioned it earlier on. It reminded me of uh, a game I played on the Amiga back in the day. Um, and I can't remember what the name of the Amiga game was, but it's pretty close to what you said, and I didn't like it. But I, think, <laughs> I, don't, think, I don't think I've got anything for this. Nothing? No. 
Over you, Jamie. Jamie? I'm yeah. going to go out on a limb here and say that Cyberpunk 2020 is based on Cyberpunk 2020. Cyberpunk 2077 is based on Cyberpunk 2020. Oh, really? Which is also based on Cyberpunk 2013. <laughs> I feel like I've been done over here. Oh, uh, well seen through uh, there, Jamie. You did good. All right. Question four. What do the following movies have in common? Metropolis, Westworld, Blade Runner, Alien, and The Last Starfighter. What's the common denominator there, Jamie? They've all got androids in them. What's the common denominator there, David? Well, that's what I've got as well. Then you're both correct. Androids. Uh Uh That was good. Question five. Because that's about all we know about Metropolis, isn't it? The big gold woman and some guys in the uh, Queen... All we hear is Radio yeah, Gaga music video. That, that's all we know about yeah, it, maybe. That's yeah. it, pretty much. Uh, question five. So the matchup. So the four oh. movies were THX one one three eight AI artificial intelligence screamers and Strange Days. Which actor or actors did you have down? Well, for those movies, uh, THX Jamie. Uh, THX was Robert Duvall. Yeah, agreed. Locked in that one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, I should say, what I should say, I should go through the actors, actually, shouldn't I? And then you tell me which movie they were from. Uh, so, Robert Duvall, okay. THX. THX. Um, yep. Uh, Peter Weller. Oh, okay. I went with uh, Screamers. Jamie? Uh, I said he wasn't in any of these movies. <laughs> here then david you got the point it's he was in screamers oh nice because it sounds like the sort of shit that he'd go for after <laughs> since we never heard from him again he must have gone in some big great classics robocop that was it like yeah <laughs> so this was post robocop yeah, yeah definitely uh jude, i haven't seen screamers uh, no okay me neither jude law it's it's the one about um like these alien like these uh robot ai things are, they can take the form of creatures. And so I think uh, he's sent from the future or something like that. And he has some sort of detection device that lures them out. It's something to do with sound waves. Something Jamie couldn't use those same powers to detect. That movie was probably going to be crap. Oh, not yeah. Getting involved I don't think it's that great. But anyway, uh, Jude Law was in... Jude ja- Law. Jamie? Jude Law's in AI. Yep. Yep, he's in AI. Tick in the box. Uh, Meryl Streep. Which movie was Meryl Streep in? Strange Days. Love that movie. Oh, I, I, I randomly guessed that she was in Screamers. <laughs> well, you're both wrong. She was in THX. Was she now? Yep. Oh, I see, I've never been a Meryl Streep fan, so I probably would have overlooked she her. Was the, she was the woman. She was the, the shaved-headed girl. It's a very, the it's love a very difficult movie to cut. It's kind of a bizarre kind of movie, which yeah. is yeah, it's interesting for its time. Worth watching. Yeah. Alright. And Ray Fiennes was in, David? Strange Ray Days Fiennes. with Meryl Strange Streep, days. apparently. <laughs> yeah, the answer was Strange Days. Alright. Did you get that one, Jamie? Yep. Yeah, that, that was, was a good movie, movie, I believe, with Juliette Lewis and uh, Angela Bassett. It was quite a good movie. Uh, Vincent Thanks. D'Onofrio was in it as well. Uh, uh, anyway, oh, look question up. six. You, it's a tip, is it? Is that a Matt's movie tip? Yeah, Hunt Strange, Down Strange Days. Strange yeah. Days. All right, let's yeah, have a look. Yeah. I'll have a look. Given at that, that uh, New Year's, well, it's, well, by, right. well, we're recording this the day before New Year's Eve. So. Yeah, what you're saying? Got no friends? Because watch on New Year's was. Uh, yeah, why not? Watch, no, I'll be yeah. watching Man United play uh, someone. <laughs> okay, they, they kick off at no wasting o'clock. time at all. Nah. <laughs> question six: Which bleak dystopian movie is about to get itself a sequel, Jamie? 
Blade Runner. Blade Runner. I think you knew that already. But do you get the number? Uh, the, well, the original's called Blade Runner, and it's the one getting the sequel, Matt. That's true. Oh. Ah. <laughs> See, David's po- pointing at me going like, ah, oh, but he's got to get the number. And I'm looking at David's number, and he's got the number wrong. What yeah. number do you have? 2077. You're still wrong. Is it 2070? 2049. 2049. It's the sequel's name. Like, I was thinking seven sevens, 49. 2049. That's why I wrote 2077. You're going to wonder, why do they pull this arbitrary number out? Blade Runner, 2049. Yeah. It's like, what, what happened? It, it might it's as like, well be Blade oh, Runner. My mother was born in 1949, and I just started to do it. It's like a, a, a tribute to my mother, and that's what it did. It, it was like... Blade Runner. It's my favorite movie. My mom was my favorite mother, so I did twenty forty nine, and and that's why I named them. Is anyone going to stop me? Uh, <laughs> Just doing a bit so of right, If go. it was set thirty thirty years after, right? Yeah. So that means that the original one was set in twenty nineteen. Oh right? yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Question seven: Which Japanese animation has been arguably the most influential anime upon the whole <clears throat> cyberpunk genre, Jamie? <gasps> What do you think there, David? Ghost in the Shell. Uh, he's playing devil's advocate because that's not what he's written. <laughs> what did I write? That? <laughs> you wrote Akira. Akira, yeah. But then I wrote slash Ghost in the Shell because I it, knew you were red hot for the new one. Speculative, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Really, was Akira of cyberpunky? 1988. What was it? Yeah, cyberpunky? Yeah, yeah. Was it? Definitely. They were dealing with the whole... Um, uh, mind-altering drugs, uh, precog abilities, telekinesis. It's set in a futuristic dystopian but world. But in any anime, it always ends up with some huge uh, amorphous beast with loads of tentacles exploding out and becoming bigger and bigger on an exponential oh, rate. It explodes people's heads. I know, that but, was good. But, but put it this way, I looked up uh, the 10 most influential cyberpunk animes. and Right. On each of the lists I looked at, that was number one. Okay. Yeah, so there we go. That's been Matt's Quiz. Neats and twos. Neats and twos. Neats, neats and twos, twos. Oh, people have neatsed and or both twosed. <laughs> they have. All right. Um, so we've got uh, this month's Game of the Month special, New Angeles. Good games. We're offering our listeners 10% off New Angeles. So all you got to do is get into your local good game store anywhere in Australia and Indianapolis. Uh, give the staff the password, fellas. Paper cranes. Right. Paper crane. Paper crane. Which, if you say it my favourite way, you'd say it like Danny Crane, Danny Crane, <laughs> Danny Crane, Craper Pains. <laughs> Paper cranes. Paper cranes. Just this last only for January 2017. So you want 10% off New Angeles, you've got to get in there quick with this uh, before February occurs. Um, 10% savings, not enough. What about the chance to win one of these games? Well, comment on the Facebook post. I said these games. That's a, that's a <laughs> blowback from last month, isn't it? That's right. You can only win one, one game this month. This game. This game. Well, comment on the Facebook for this episode, which is episode 83, and you can win it. Uh, comment on the post. It's, I'm going to pin it to the top of the Facebook page, uh, Seven Line Hands Facebook page, and one commenter will be randomly chosen by Good Games HQ as this month's winner of Fantasy Flight's New Angeles. Have hey. said New Angeles enough? All right. Now, last month we had two games on the go. One was Lotus, one was Lanterns. 
two games. We've milked that one as far as we can. Uh, and for Lotus, uh, we knew this girl was an absolute winner because uh, when it, when um, we saw her name from Good Games HQ, uh, I thought I'm not going to be able to pronounce that on air, but I'll give it a crack. <laughs> Why did they do this to us? Yeah. Uh, the winner of Lotus is Priya Krishnamurthy. Priya Krishnamurthy. Does that sound legit? That sounds like someone's name to me. That is. Priya Krishnamurthy. Well done. Well done, Priya. Hooray. You've won the calmest game in the universe. You'll be able to open that box and just exist alongside of it. And sometimes play it, sometimes just let it be. And be very pink and white (laughs) at the same time. So well done, Priya. You've won Lotus. Yeah, we'll be in touch with how you can get your hands on that. Um, And, uh, okay, whoa, hang on a minute. There's another game we're giving away. We've gone crazy with the deals. <laughs> Is that remember those '80s adverts when they used to throw away cars and stuff That's like it. that? I've gone like crazy Don something. Yeah, or other yeah. Those they ads. had to use incredibly strong men to lift those cars and throw them away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I remember those ads. Well, crazy strong men throwing away lanterns. <laughs> That's you and me, Matt and Jamie. Although I don't know, Is he, are you awake, Jamie? Barely. barely. There, there he is. <laughs> All right. Winner of Lanterns is a man with more middle initials than... I haven't written something for that. All right, Stephen M.G. Zera. Hello, Hooray! come on down. Stephen Zera. So more you've... middle initials than anyone who's got one middle initial. There you go. <laughs> but now, less than someone who has three. <laughs> nailed it. Uh, all right, Stephen Zera, let's just call you that. You've won a copy of Lanterns. Congratulations. Yeah, well done. All right, so I'll... I'll um, organise something for you to uh, get in touch with Good Games HQ so they can get those games out to you. What a nice uh, Christmas surprise. After Christmas, yeah, New Year's surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty awesome. They're going to be thinking, wow, 2017 is my year. Hasn't won a bad, hasn't won a a game. Yeah. But I really liked their comment. It's uh, it's Ben Enners from from somewhere in the States. He works for the US Postal Service. And he said... Hello, mate. Loving the podcast, and I'm a big Captain Boomerang fan. By the way, tell Paul Hogan Yahoo Sirius and said hi from the States. Wow. I've played a ton of Latins, but now I want to give Lotus a try after your review. Keep up the good work. Honestly, anyone who wants to remind us that Yahoo Sirius exists deserves a shout-out. That's awesome. I'd love to know how he found, you know, what's his avenue into the podcast. Well, because I know, I know, you know, for example, there's Invictus Stream listeners. Uh, shout out to Bob and Aisha Lyle in New Mexico. And of course, uh, Harlan and the crew in uh, Canada. Oh man, you're giving away more hype magic nerd badges. And <laughs> ooh, there's only eight of those left in the world, That's listener. Uh, yeah, if you're hearing a name in any of this, uh, we're getting into <laughs> the next. How many are there, Matt? 160? Yeah, 160. Of various designs. That's right. Woo! We uh, had a competition that handmade by Matt himself. You know what? I've got now. (laughs) I've got triceps that are bulging. Let's listen to them. (laughs) (laughs) No, my triceps are snapping now. This This is it. These aren't (laughs) these aren't just badges that are made. These are badges that are handmade, hand pressed by Matt. Yep. He squeezed love into every single badge. That's it. I hired a badge-making machine and I badged like crazy. We've distracted <laughs> ourselves again. We have. <laughs> There's a couple of comments that I wanted to uh, pay uh, to, to yeah. shout out about. Yeah, yeah. And the first one is um, to do with our beer and pizza show. Oh, yeah. 
And it's from uh, Miles Shammer, whose comment was, how do I get an invite? Buy tickets to the next beer and pizza pod. Which is interesting because, you know, he's already... We're, we're just done with 2016's show. We're not even at 2017 yet, in 2017 yet. And he's... Uh, Wanting to get an invite or uh, to purchase tickets. Well, we have we're going to be doing some, we're going to be doing something bigger next year, and I think there'll be a, yeah. we'll open the doors for a lot more people to come down. So, uh, yeah, keep it if you're listening to this, keep it in mind because when we get around to next year, we'll probably have forgotten about all this we're saying now, and we're thinking, <laughs> oh, what should we do? You know, oh, what should we do? And then you know, that's it. Then you're going to be saying, hey, when's the beer and pizza party happening? Yeah. And we go, all right, oh, that's what we're going to do. We're going to like get a whole bunch of people down. I, oh, I said back to him that uh, showing interest, uh, yeah. showing interest is uh, my friend. So consider yourself on the list. And then he, of course, added that uh, is it a must to bring a six pack for the hosts? If not, it should be. I think I he's like locked that. in. Yeah, Miles, you're on the list, and you're <laughs> going to get a badge if you want one. Yeah, just write to us at podcast at sevenlandhand.com. We'll send you one out. And my second one comes mm. off my Christmas post, which I put up. Oh, uh, yeah. My Merry Christmas and Happy New Year post. Great, great Photoshop in there, Matt. Oh, it, was, you know, it looks like work. the dragons are wearing hats. Oh, no. I know. It's crazy, right? What kind <laughs> of dragon would wear a Santa hat? And this was from Troy Cleary, whose message was simply, Happy Christmas, guys. Keep up the good work. I know. And, uh, it brings the feels out and a bit of a tear on the cheek when people yeah. go, well done. Keep it going. Uh, this is what I wanted here. Yeah, this, I'm it. having fun. There were several other people who liked that, that uh, post, yeah, yeah. but he actually took the time to comment back. At the other end of the scale, about people saying that we're doing a good job and all that sort of stuff, um, I, I, list, I like Simon Walters who pointed out the fact that we told him to shut up. And by, <laughs> you did. By we, I mean me. Yep, that was you. <laughs> but now I'm thinking that could be a thing where we could just end the podcast every time by going, shut up, Simon. <laughs> Does that seem fair? <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure he'll be the... Is it I mean, fair then that he's going to be the number one... They're just sitting there quietly in a room listening to the podcast <laughs> and he gets told to shut up. He goes, oh, I was just sitting here watching the, listening to the podcast. Don't tell me to shut up. I won't say nothing. And he's going to be the first contribute, uh, first poster on any of our board game, uh, on the next board game competition for New Angeles. And he's going to say the same thing. Again, you told me to shut up. Right. Um, shut up, Simon! <laughs> <laughs> I'll regret that later. Sorry, apologies on the next fa- Facebook post, Simon. <laughs> Uh, Jamie, did you have anybody else that you wanted to shout out to for good efforts on the uh, on the posts? No, no, just... I'm happy with just the one. That was that was a good post. There were so many. It's like, oh, Peter West always gets in there with some good quality stuff. Uh, yeah, see, he picked up on the fact that we were doing um, Bon Jovi lyrics. Yeah, yep, yeah. I saw that. I love that. Anyway, yeah, for, for all the comments on on the on the post, yeah, I love it when people keep them interesting. Gives us someone to write back about. We have a bit of a laugh uh, with with you guys as well. That's that's good fun, right? And what's great thing is if you comment, you're guaranteed to get something back from uh, one of the three of us. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, pretty and quickly too. Yeah, a bit the the creativeness of it all and having a bit of a laugh is 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 where it's at. I think that's kind of fun. Build a bit of a community. Hopefully, in the end, people will start commenting on each other's posts as well, and uh, and we get a bit of interactivity, and that'd be that'd be great. Uh, and uh, yeah, so there's two things. I reckon there's a ton of people that are liking the post yeah. and and just thinking I'm in the running for the. But no, they're not. Yeah, comment, comment, comment yeah. leave a comment. That's how we yeah. know. Leave leave the like. Yeah, Absolutely. Good but leave a comment so that we can enter you in the competition. Yeah. Unless, of course, you're just one of those people that just like things. 
Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fine. Yeah. All right, so comment on any of our Facebook posts. You know, get involved in the discussion. We love your opinions. They make our show better. You know, you drop a bombshell on us. You know, we get to tell everyone about it. It'd be fantastic. And if we read out your comment or you hear your name or anything like that, uh, we'll send you a, well, for eight, the next eight people are going to get a classic Hyper Magic Nerd badge. And then after that, we start getting the with Matt with love badges. Uh, so we'll, we'll get some bads are launching the new designs. Uh, so the best way to do that is just to write to podcast at sevenlandhound.com and say, hey, you talked about me. I'd love to get a badge. Send us one out and send us your address. Uh, there was somebody, oh, I can't remember who it was now. They've actually, their badge has been posted. Just couldn't believe it. It was legit. He was like going, what, really? Are you taking the piss? And I go, no. Never take us seriously, but when it comes to the badges, take us very take, seriously. Yeah. 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 These next ones doubly so because uh, they're handmade. Yeah, yeah. I've got calluses to prove it. Well, you say that. Does that mean that you're a handmaid? It says that he reckons they're from making badges, but <clears throat> whatever. All right, uh, so next fortnight, we're going to be back with uh, Kai and Aaron. Uh, we've got the big Aether Revolts happening. Yeah. Boom, that's uh, pre-release time. Yeah, it is going to be pre-release time because that's bang on January 14th, 15th. We're going to be neck deep in spoilers and stuff. It's yep. Fantastic. Well, talking about Magic, let's not forget that uh, every good game store is doing the Magic Championships next year. Yeah, which is every huge. event that you enter, every sanctioned event in a good game store, earns you points towards becoming the store champion, the state champion, and potentially the good games champion. Yep, that's it. Which means you get flown to a GP anywhere in the world to play. That's a, that's a brilliant prize. I mean, yeah, that's it. So, yeah, if you keep regularly attending, you can actually end up getting flown to any any GP in the world. Is that the deal? Any GP in the world. Yeah, that's wow. nuts. I want to go to a GP in um, um, Antarctica. One of them's got to exist, Matt. They're actually going to be running it. Oh. Jason Drain, also from the Newcastle store, just wanted us to mention D&D. D and D, yeah, that's pretty much it. He I think. To say yeah, right. D was good. He wanted to say, yeah, that's his message was uh, just D and D is good, and it is. Speaking of D and D is good, yeah. Uh, if you're in the local area of Perth, you can certainly come down on a Wednesday night and uh, play RPGs with me in the uh, role play room. I thought you were going to go for very much the D's are good, D's are good. Ebenezer good. Ebenezer good. Ebenezer good. Ebenezer good. Yeah. So, yeah. Speaking of D's, speaking of D's being good, yeah. on January 7th at uh, Hurstville, we have a dice party happening uh, uh, where the uh, the guys from Level Up Dice are coming. They're going to be giving away sets. They're going to have their whole range there to show people. Uh, there's going to be discounts and games and all sorts of stuff Holy during crap. the day. So Level Up Dice with the free giveaways? Amazing gemstone yeah. and metal dice. I was going to say these are the guys that make those um, really, really nice metal and uh, gemstone dice. Yeah, oh, the gemstone yeah, dice are beautiful. beautiful. You uh, wouldn't want to roll them. Um, yeah, they're, no, they're, they're uh, really yeah, good. Every set that you buy gets a, has a little dice roller with it too. Like oh, a little tray. Nice. Yeah, that's so good. All right, so um, Aether Revolt. What we're talking about, Aether Revolt. Kaladesh has been huge. It's actually a set that I'm still enjoying now. You know, we're usually we're a little bit burnt out by it, and we've still got Aether Revolt, which is going to come along and just add a layer of polish onto it. So I'm looking forward to seeing what um, what those guys are going to talk about. Yep, and that ne- Aether stuff's revolting. Yeah, and uh, next <laughs> Stop month, drinking it. 
next month it's going to be the February game because we've just done New Angeles for January 2017. Yep. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, what, what's it going to be? What are we going to do? We're going to do... We're going to be getting our rage on. Get the rage on. Blood rage. Blood rage. And are we going to get... We're going to get Eric... Are you we going to get Eric? Well, we're going to try. We're going to try and get Eric. We're saying it. We're putting it out there. This, this is bad form. You never announce who you're going to try we're and get. We're going to try. We're going to try and get the Eric. Fortune favors the bold, you know. Maybe maybe someone, maybe Todd at Rollins at AEG will see this and will go, hey, that's a good idea, and he'll get on the phone to Eric because they're best mates they? in my head. I don't know. <laughs> Fortune, <laughs> Fortune famous the brave. Then uh, we'll get Jamie to give him a call. All right. Because <laughs> uh, I think I think as I rustle some papers here, I think we're done. We're done. Yeah, yeah. Should we just uh, we'll just blob and uh, and and chat over a, a bit of music? Let's do that. Yeah, sure. P- pass me the bass. It's all about the bass, about the bass, no treble. That was Jamie on the bass. In there, he does a good job, which is interesting because there was no bass on that music. <laughs> All we had was. I know, I'm really talented, aren't I? I mean, it sounds just like a set of drums. That was, uh, <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Paul Loveridge who played the drums on all of our music, uh, and uh, he's he's probably would never have heard a podcast in his life. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. Hey guys, um, I'd really, I'd really like to thank uh, William Gibson for creating the cyberpunk genre. Oh, so and would I. Game. His uh, three novels are the first three. Uh, so that we're talking about Neuromancer, Count Zero, and Mona Lisa Overdrive are the first three, first seri- book series that I actually ever read, as in book series. Like I was writing yeah. to David Eddings and stuff like that, but um, William Gibson got there first. See, yeah. and that gets back to my point. How many people are writing out there that are creating that combination of things that we kind of know, kind of don't, looking a bit of futuristic or looking at the past, putting a twist on it, speculative fiction, blah, blah, blah. And it's just this beautiful thread of things yeah. and narrative and just going to get nowhere. And instead, we're going to get movie execs and publishing and agents that are just going to publish something that sounds like the last piece of shit that they put out or the last good thing that they put out <laughs> that sold really well. But in the end, we just end up with streams of shit that were just the same derivative crap from like 20 years ago. Well, we, I, th- I feel we're stuck creatively at the moment. I've, I've heard Stop it. it. <laughs> I've heard it say said that um, why you know we're making remaking the wrong things. We're remaking the good stuff that doesn't need to be remade yeah. instead of going back and remaking the bad stuff to be better. You know. You know yeah. what though, David. Those people do exist out there, you know. Like we've got the Neil Gaiman's, we've got yeah, yeah, we've got the Morrison's, you know. It's just a matter of seeking them out, and I don't think enough people do that. No, I mean even even that makes some Neil Gaiman stuff, you know, like Ocean at the End of the Lane. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. Would make a lovely little love quirky little little short little movie. It'd be, it'd be fantastic. Well, American Gods is coming out. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, so it's you know, there. he's existed, but look how long he's existed for and how much he's produced before they're, you know, they're willing to throw some money at it to make it into a, a film. You know, it's, I don't know, it just feels a little bit stuck. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if we'll ever see a movie based on a Paulo Collo novel. Seems unlikely, but it'd be cool. I'd just like to see something, um, a new movie come out that's not based on something that came out in the 80s at the moment. That's <laughs> <So, laughs> all. And there's nothing wrong, and there's nothing wrong with those 80s movies. You know, it's just like... 
what, what's going to be next? Back to the Future? What, what, what are you looking no, at? What they are they going to? What do you mean they wouldn't dare? They They'll, wouldn't dare. If they think they're going to make cash out of it, they're going to do it. Hey, what's a uh, what's a really crap movie? Really, like really bad that you'd like to see him remake, just because you'd like to see the, a remade version. I'd like of to it. see Weird Science done again, with still maintaining Kelly, <laughs> Kelly LeBrock, LeBrock, wherever Kelly LeBrock is, <laughs> the hottest woman <laughs> in 1980, and just bring her back and bring. You know what would she be like? 30 years on, she'd just be going like, "What? Oh, oh come on! I haven't got my joints are aching. You know, I've got to." Who would you get to play much Chet? As, much as I enjoy the film, I wouldn't mind if they remade the Last Starfighter with good effects. Yeah, I, I actually isn't that in the pipeline? I think that is in the pipeline. The last last, last Starfighter was mind blowing because that, I think that was one of the first times that they did CG effects and they made a big deal about that. They were like, CG yeah. effects are happening. It's in this movie. Come and see it. It was it was pretty amazing at the time, but looking back, having watched it recently, it, nah. it needs a bit of an update. That's. But no, don't update it. Just let it be. Let it. So when you tune into it, you just go, that was a movie that happened in 19-whatever. That's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's actually, it was announced last year that they're uh. doing a TV reboot of The Last Starfighter. And this is the one I'm fairly certain is the one that's going to include a combination of VR and... It as is built oh, wow. into it. So it was a very ambitious thing. I you think. can pop on your VR headset and watch it. And actually cool. be immersed in the, the show. I, I don't know. I don't know. But that was the idea, hey, yes. Yeah, so oh, we're, we're, like, we're way out of time and we're <laughs> in music. But that's what I got with the PlayStation. Got the VR headset, did all that sort of stuff. My God, is it's so awesome yeah. to have uh, all the different things. And I'm sure, you know, like we talked to Justin about this, about going down yeah. the shark cage. That's mind-blowingly cool. But I, I played the Batman Arkham series. Arkham yeah. Knight, Arkham City, Arkham blah, 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 whatever. And you can put on the VR headset and you're just sitting in the opening menu. It's just the menu for the game. <laughs> you're sitting there looking around going, my God, I'm in Arkham. This is cool. I can just sit there. It's the most fun I've ever had. It's just great. Fantastic fun. Yeah. That's awesome. And if we can watch, and how far can they take this stuff? I mean, oh. when you can touch it, honestly, you do this thing in the, I did this Batman uh, VR game. And you can pull up all the characters in front of you and you can spin them around, all that sort of stuff. And Batman is standing right in front of you, Nightwing, mm. Robin, uh, Harlequin, uh, Penguin. And you can, you feel like you can reach out and touch them. And the enormity of Batman and, you know, the absolute tanks of, of characters and they're right in front of you. Bane. I haven't got to Bane yet, but oh, it's incredible. It's really good. And this is going to sound so lame in like... 18 months' time. No, no yeah, time Yeah, it's at actually all. there and it's passe. Yeah, and you can... Oh, if, if we can touch this stuff, yeah, it's going to be brilliant. Because you feel like you hold that, put out your hand and hold on for a rail or something, or the shark's trying to attack. Yeah, great stuff. Very cool. All right. All right, dude. It is, that... is very late here, so I am going to call it a night. All right. Thank you all for coming to Seven Land Hat. <laughs> <laughs> Good, Good night, night, Jamie. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. <laughs>